<laughs> so, uh, hello everybody, it's your old friends at Monday Madness and welcome to another episode of the That Was Liquid Football podcast. Uh, it's just the two men uh, team tonight, unfortunately, myself and Neil. Uh, Burpot is away uh, jumping into a bath of Club Rock Shandy uh, uh, IPA from our friends at Rascals, so uh, mm-hmm. best luck to her. To report back with our findings uh, next week, but um, absolutely. So I'm like, without her here, we're free to go as keys and grey on this as we like. We actually are. We've gone full gammon. <laughs> I've even got my sweaty. I've even got. I'm even sweating my palms up just just with, you know. So, uh, you know, but uh, anyway, <laughs> we're not backed by Qatari money. All right, just to be clear, yeah. Yeah, that's not what we're talking wish, about. Here, right? Wish. This is as this is as lads a podcast as you're gonna get it. It's why we're going to like leave the WSL talk to the woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I mean, I don't know why Neil, because like I said in the preamble, there's absolutely nothing on. Like it's the, no, the nothing has happened in football in the last two weeks. Absolutely no. nothing whatsoever. Like nothing absolutely whatsoever. nothing happened today. No, especially. no, nothing at all. No, this is going on Saturday, so absolutely definitely nothing has happened tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> It's, it's what's that? What's that joke, quote from the office? It's, it's gonna be a quiet night in the library. Not, not, <laughs> not. Um, but yeah, obviously we're being very facetious. What has happened, though, Neil, is that the Premier League is back in 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 session. Um, no, see, no Super League, just boring British football. And uh, isn't it good to be back, Neil? Isn't it good to be back playing football with crowds and Arsenal losing home and away games? Isn't it? Isn't it just? It's good to be back, Neil. Neil. <laughs> yeah. In all fairness, considering that we've had our worst start in well over a century, yes, uh, I actually still I'm actually kind of happy football is back. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm watching it. You know, it's pretty good. It's not at all bad. I mean, we absolutely tonked West Brom in the Carabao Cup. That's uh, the start. Yes. Oh yeah. If only you could actually play against teams that don't defend every week. That would well, be if, nice. if only we could have a team that wasn't absolutely riddled with fucking injuries and COVID. Yes, that's true. Like, you're asking too much of this game. Here. I really am. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, uh, I suppose the best thing to do is to, is to start kind of talking through our, I suppose, our highlights of the first two match days of the league. Obviously, when we were um, when we left you last, um, Brentford were actually beating Arsenal at the time we were yes. recording. Which um, again, I, I don't know if that is a lovely um, scene setter for the season, but we shall see. And um, because again, if we're going, if you want to start with Arsenal, perhaps it might be the best. Uh, Best way to get this uh, get it out of our system, let's say. Um, <laughs> Just an awful say, lot in that system now, an awful oh, fucking lot in that system. Very much so. Um, like obviously a few kind of COVID little um, mishaps as well, but like a, a few. Our, 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 our two first choice strikers were out. Yes, uh, <laughs> crucial you know, ones. Yeah, pretty fucking crucial ones. So mm-hmm. and a smattering of others. I think Michael was saying. Um, I, I thought I was saying that. Uh, there was no, he had nine first teamers out with COVID. Nine first teamers out, which I think I don't believe is true. I mean, like, Run our son was one of the ones who had COVID, and I was like, the fuck is first, that team first teamer? Yeah. Like, <laughs> in the, he might be in the squad. Actually, I don't even think he would be in the squad as second string. I think uh, we've been trying to get rid of him. Um, yeah. he, well, he's definitely not in the squad now. I think he he, wasn't, oh, he, yeah. he wouldn't have been a he wouldn't been a second stringer when they said that, and he's definitely not going to be now. Mm. Um, William is another one. He hasn't been in the squad for fucking quite a while, and you know, hopefully we'll get rid of him before the end of the month. I don't think it'll happen, but you know, hope springs eternal. As I was to say, you have to stay positive in this in this game, you know. Yeah, but um, but yeah, like with uh, Lacazette 
getting COVID, Aubameyang being a close contact. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a lot of bollocks. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't put it better myself. But um, at the same time, though, like, even going by, like, the, the even if there wasn't any kind of issues, I'm kind of not surprised that, that Arsenal would have lost their first two games. Oh, we were nailed on to lose against Brentford. Nailed yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and again, well, at least you have a good chance to, to kind of recover. You know, you're only up against Man City tomorrow. So, you know, it's early kickoff as well. So you get to hit the ground running, quite literally, face first, potentially. Well, in all fairness, Man City haven't exactly hit the ground fucking running this season, have they? No, they have not. I was about to mention their um, their surprise loss against Spurs. Because, again, we had spent the last podcast completely nailing Spurs to the mast, saying that their they're switch that Nuno is not going to work. They are going to sink with a stone when Kane signs for Man City. And none of that happened. We had literally jinxed Spurs away from what we were doing. Um, jinxed Spurs out of being Spursy. Uh, yes. Yeah, no, funnily enough, uh, considering that it's now not going to happen, that game pretty much mm. epitomised why City really, really need somebody like Harry Kane. <laughs> that know? was a kind of irony of it, in a sense, where like the two teams that essentially play with no strikers, one because he was still on holiday for one, and the other because like they tactically didn't they, want they one. basically tried to poach him. Yeah. <laughs> but and, the and thing yet, is, yeah. the thing is that uh, one of those teams has like plays better without Kane. Um, which is isn't this such an abnormality? Like, have you ever thought? Of, have you ever seen a, a team that plays better without his captain? Because everyone but, else but, but, without their full, without what is considering their focal point of their attack. Mm. You know, without Kane, there all the other players are free to do their thing. Yeah. I mean, when he went, to, when he goes out with his habitual ankle injuries, it's it's no surprise that Spurs' results actually pick up over those periods when he just decides when his ankle bones decide we're not having this. Mm. And they just go on walkabouts, uh, you know, because, and again, it's this thing, like, had Kane been in that team, Son would not have scored that goal. And it's a great fucking goal now. But it, it was really fucking good. But Son, I mean, first off, also, <laughs> two things from that. One, Son would not have scored that goal because he'd have worked his way into the scenario that he got into and would have looked to pass to Kane, not take the bot, take the shot on himself. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, if I was City, I'd be looking at that game going, hang on, why are we buying that guy? <laughs> Fuck Kane. <laughs> like, why? Is, a better, is a better fit tactically for what Guardiola wants to do. So he wants much to- better. Son is so much better. If, if they bought Son, I'd be like, yeah, look, just give them the league title now. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so bizarre thinking. But that, that, that's the thing. Like, it's because like... That, I that's why about, I that's why I always thought that's why I said earlier on the last podcast that they're part of the re- one of the main reasons why they're going after Kane is to kind of like national wash the team yeah. so they finally get some fucking credit because when you look at Kane and you go he's not a good fifth that team and out of all of the Spurs players the player who scored the winning goal against you he's the guy you should be fucking playing if you were if you were looking for players to augment to make your team better. You wouldn't be looking at Kane, you'd be buying Son. Yeah, no, and, and that is a very fair point because on, on, on that note, like you, you could say, obviously I think it was a, I think you were referring to what Ken Early was saying about uh, about the Man City project is a case of like, yes, they have like, like steamrolled the domestic scene and they were very close to winning the Champions League last season. But the fact is that, again, no one is really um, acknowledging the fact that they're doing such a Herculean effort because it is easy to have a Herculean effort when you have an unlimited bank balance 
with the best resources available. You know, it's not a case of like, say, well, like people will always remember Leicester for doing what they did because it was incredible efforts. Um, and likewise for, for various other seasons, various other teams like Lille. Like Lille obviously will, will still get credit because of what it did, did incredibly last season. But you can't give Manchester City credit for winning when it's a team that's designed to win. No kind of way. Like it's, if anything, when they, if they don't win everything, like literally every competition they're in, there is an inquisition about it. In the same way, it's the same for PSG and, and Bayern. And well, Real. Yeah, it's that, like you can't spend like close to a billion illegally. Mm. Like you can't just yeah. fuck all these rules up. And just and then sort of turn around and go, oh well, we're the plucky underdogs now, you know, like. Oh yeah, I, uh, I, I have to look, I have to laugh at Pep's like uh, very pathetic attempt at being uh, like the like <laughs> oh we can't afford it. It's like you're backed by the Abu Dhabi group. You can literally buy England. It's not that <laughs> expensive anymore. You could buy the land you're playing in. It's not that difficult. In fact, you have. You build a fucking stadium on it. They, they, build, they, they already own huge portions of it, you know. Manchester, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's, it, it, it's, so, it's such a pathetic attempt to try and get... And again, it's to, it's to, it's to try to get loved. And it's just like, no, it's, it's not going to work. Um, and ironically enough, the money didn't buy him love in the end. And it didn't buy him three points against Spurs. Which, um, again, if, if you told me beforehand, oh, yeah, Spurs are going to nick a goal against Man City and win, it's like, fuck it, nope. <laughs> well, not them. Well, I, I, I would have believed the kind of, they'd nick a goal. I wouldn't have thought they'd nick a winning goal. I was like, yeah, they'd be like 3-0 down, you know, somebody will cough, like Morel fucking shank one in or something like that off of the yeah. heel. I'd be like, yeah, they'll nick a goal. It won't be a winning one, though. <laughs> that's insane, yeah. That, 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 that's exactly it. I mean... Forget, like, I suppose like that's probably the that was the biggest surprise from that opening match day, if you like. I mean, you, you might argue that Watford beating the Villa was a bit of a surprise as well, considering we all wrote off Watford at the start. I still think they're not going to do anything, but getting off to a win is, is a pretty decent start in their own right. Um, that was a serious tonking, actually, Watford gave Villa, because mm. I think one, one of the Villa goals was in, like, wasn't it literally the last kick of the game? Last kick of the yeah, there was uh, Ings, uh, Ings' first goal was literally like the 94th minute, yeah. So, so they were 3 1 down until like yeah. <laughs> literally when uh, like half their own fans had already left to get the fucking pretty much, yeah, and shit like that. And then yeah. they just got, scored one in. They're like, oh, yeah, that's great. The only thing that's gonna help is people who had Ings and their fantasy football team, yes. Yes, unfortunately, I have gone for Daka and Tony, and uh, Daka has not played fucking yet, Brendan. Um. He's more of a rugby league player. He's a yeah, you know, he's a rugby league player. Yeah, I, I Tony as well on my team as well. Yeah, don't worry, all in good time, all in good time. Um, but yes, like obviously, uh, some some of the other, I suppose, more prominent like championship contenders, Manchester United got off to a great win against Leeds. It was a really fun game, by the way. I really enjoy watching that. Um, because like yeah, it turns the, out Paul Pogba, the France Paul Pogba, actually does play for Manchester United. After yes. what I've been, after everything I'd said in my last one, that's another jinx. Yeah, uh, it looks like in, my in fairness, it is very easy to be France Paul Pogba when ladies literally don't feel the midfield. Yeah, <laughs> there was yeah. like when, when they when they don't have Calvin Phillips on the on the on the team sheet, they literally just don't bother replacing him. Like they have someone in position in theory, absolutely. But, yeah, they have a nominal replacement. Yes. They don't like somebody who does what he does. No, they had um, I think they had Robin Cock in that position, who's a centre back. It was like, oh no. <laughs> No, no, you don't do that. No, <laughs> it's a number six. It's a specialist position. You mad people? Um, but Spielz, of course, he's fucking mad. Um, well, yeah, like I said, Man City were, were 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 fantastic in that in that game. To be honest, which you like, they, like 
it's it's often the case where like yes like like Leeds will obviously surrender a lot of like position and, and transitions because they're so gung ho. But again, if you're a team like Manchester United, you, know, you have to take advantage of that, and you're the worst person in the world if you don't. Um, hence why Pogba was able to just get four assists like it was nothing to him. That's more um, than all the assists he got all last season, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, in I think all so, competitions. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> And also, that isn't that back, a, that's a United back. record? That's a United record, isn't it? A, a club record. Nobody's ever gotten four assists for United in one game. Yes, that is. Yeah, that that is exactly it. Yeah, but um, but and like I said, it, it is an ideal start for them in that sense. And um, Chelsea also got off to winning ways against Palace, uh, Liverpool uh, against Norwich. So regulation three 0 wins across the board. So yeah, like pretty much all the front runners are off to. There wasn't a draw in the opening weekend, was there? Uh, there was not. No. Um, which is a rarity in its own right, to be fair, and um, we don't normally get that. So um, yeah, like, like I said, it was a, it was a it was a probably probably split table in that sense. Um, and again, if we're going into match day two, um, Man City obviously recovered handsomely from losing to Spurs by just making a basically embarrassment of Norwich. Like again, we, we didn't give Norwich much of a hope in the in the league table anyway. But it's nice to see that he's got something right. <laughs> some things change, some things stay the same. Norwich, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah like they're 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 a yo-yo club. They know they. I think they know that themselves. It's like, yeah, fair enough. We'll just take our licks when we get them. Um, and and uh, yeah, exactly. And again, for for again the, the title contenders, if you want to focus on them, Liverpool has had a fairly fairly comfortable win against Burnley. They gave us a bit of a trouble trouble, but um, but like honestly, it's nice seeing this team starting to kick again. You know, with 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 all the players back from injury, midfield's still a little bit scant, but I think that's just because of the of Thiago and Henderson with Knox and stuff like that. So we're we're slowly getting to it, and um, but definitely the front three are firing again. Firmino in particular is looking a little bit sharper because he's now got genuine competition with Jota, and you probably argue Jota's probably starting ahead of him now at this point because he he is a, a better form and he's a, he's a bit deadlier in front of goal, and. Um, but I think that the, the star turn, at least if to talk about Liverpool for a while, has been Simicast. Simicast, yeah, I was about to say oh, that. I was, like, I, I was like, look, if you want to wax lyrical about Mane and Firmino yeah, yeah. and no, Salah yeah. and Jota, go on for it. But no, for me, it's Simicast. I, I just, yeah, it's another fucking rabbit out of the hat for Liverpool. It, it, in a sense, though, it, it it is, but it's also a player that we were promised last season. You know, mm-hmm. when we signed them, like we like a lot of people kind of looked at and think, I was thinking like. Because I remember seeing like certain like uh, athletic reports and saying like, oh, here's the left backs we're scouting, and they're thinking like, okay, is it one from is a guy from Crew? There's a guy from like Vitis Arnhem, and then there's a guy from Olympiacos. It's like, okay, grand. And you actually do see the stats and way what they're looking for in a left back. They're thinking, oh shit, this makes so much sense. You're literally going for a Robertson light, hmm. and luckily we did get Simicas, who like who has incredible stats. I'll be honest, like, and once he's kind of seen him in the flesh when he does have a first team role, yeah. He, 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 you can see it. He, he he can grow into it, and he is, I think, genuine competition for for Robertson this season. He'll at least get game time now because you know he's at that level, and um, which is what which is not much you can say about the other kind of squad players at Liverpool. Someone who's actually competing for the for the first team. You know, like you might argue, like so maybe Keita and Jones will start knocking. Harvey Elliott was brilliant against Burnley, and um, so you can see that there is actual competition in the squad, and that that helps us as well. That helps the the the, the first team spur on, and. Um, I suppose well, elsewhere, Minamino is not competing for fuck all there. You know, he's just no, like it's, and it, it's a pity as well because I do like I do feel a bit sorry for him because he's been kind of like parachuted in and he's automatically like sixth choice or fifth choice yeah. depending on how you feel about Origi. 
Um, but his link-up play is really good. I think it's just the problem is that he's just not a, a, a natural fit in the team because he doesn't have a good he doesn't have a, a perfect position. You know, kind of way like in like in every club he's been in, he's played in a different position. Like he plays as a striker for Japan, and in Salzburg he was a winger, and at Southampton he's a number ten. You know, it's like where what's the best place for him? And once he gets that, it's probably will click. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a pity. I, I think he does like I think people do like him because he's a he's a good good to train with. You know, kind of way. Like yeah. a lot of I know a lot of Liverpool players, um, even if they don't get to make the first team, they are great for training. That's why we got like Shakiri because the guy is a fucking mentalist when it comes to training. <laughs> so you can see why we got him in. And um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of like um, two 0 wins across the board uh, uh, on the match Although, day. Funny, right? I think that uh, that scoreline against Burnley now kind of it's a wee bit flattering to Liverpool because Tarkowski mm. should have scored that one. I should have. No, he, he did. He got, he got to the ball ahead of Adrian, which isn't actually, which is quite a good thing to do. And just to see, just to see this header just sail past this empty net mm. and past the post, and I'm going, oh no! no to Bernie's credit, they did. They did really give us a good game, especially in the first half. And, and like I said, it was, I, I would have argued just perhaps we, would have, we probably would do a goal or two ourselves. But um, but like I said, it, it's a type of games you do need to win over the season. And like again, you can't say no to two like solid wins off the start of a yeah, season. No, we can't do that. And uh, again, we, we will get getting Burke Boss' thoughts on uh, on the football herself. She did uh, submit some, uh, some little match reviews, which will be um, playing uh, momentarily. But I suppose like, the only game we can talk about beforehand is perhaps the Hamps is perhaps. Uh, uh, I, I want to talk about Brighton, actually, funny enough, because um, I watched this game against Watford. I don't know why it was on, and I was too busy eating pizza to change the channel. But um, but for, I'll be honest, like I'm really delighted. It's like quietly impressed with Brighton, you know, because um, I, I watched a bit of them last season, and I was thinking like uh, a team. This team plays really, really good football, you know. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of remarking that they're the XG top of the table. Like if they had converted all the chances, they would have been sixth, which is an yeah. insane stat to think of. Um, and I'm thinking like, okay, if this team actually does work on its finishing and its attacking, they will actually be a pretty good outfit. And against Watford, they were really good. Like they, they were putting away their chances, you know, uh, until Maupay wrecked his shoulder. But that's, you know, swings and roundabouts, I guess. Um but like I said, like like I said, I was I was quietly impressed with Brighton. They did they did seem to to be a much sharper unit this time. I'd be intrigued to see how they how they do get on this season. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, while we uh, ruminate on that, uh, Neil, uh, it's time to see what Burkbot thought of the certain uh, games during this season. So um, take it away, um, our resident reporter Burkbot. Uh, she's going to talk about Brentford and Palace. Um, just a quick note on the Brentford versus Palace game. It was nil all, but I think what it showed was the ability for Brentford to play um, in this league um, against not high opposition. Um, like Palace would be fairly low down in the tables according to our predictions and rankings. Um, but you know, a kind of uh, a lot of people might have thought that because it was the occasion against Arsenal that they upped their game, um. But actually, no. I think this kind of shows that they are just a gritty team that you know are prepared to do battle in the Premier League, and I actually kind of like that. It also showed on Palace's end kind of the task that Patrick Vieira has on his hands to try mm-hmm. and get this team to be in any way um, attack-minded and um, co- cohesive in midfield. And I just don't think they have it. I think they're really, really going to struggle this year. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point because um, 
I suppose like when, when I did hear that they were replacing Roy with a with a younger excitement coach, I immediately had Ronald DeBoer flashing in my head and I don't know why. Um very strange that it happened. But um but yeah, like it, it's it's um it is kind of an interesting point because they have tried this before. They've tried to do in a bit of a U policy at, at Palace, and I think it's to take advantage of the fact that like catchment area wise, Croydon is huge for young talent, but they just have never really taken advantage of it, with the exceptions of Wambasaka and uh, and Zaha historically. Um, I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on Palace. You know, particularly about, about Patrick Vieira. Do you think it can go differently for him? Is do we rate him higher than Frank De Boer? Well, yeah, but then again, De Boer is not really that high a bar. I do rate him no. higher. Um, than that because I, the thing about the thing about what the difference mainly is that Vieira has a plan you know he's yeah. going kind of operation youth and mm-hmm. to some degree and he's just gonna go right well you know we're gonna suffer but hopefully in a couple of months everything will gel and we'll start getting some points you know whereas under the board nobody had any fucking idea what they were doing um mm. least of all him so yeah, I yeah they they're gonna struggle, but they'll be fine. Like they're not gonna get relegated. No, I, I think so. I, I I'd agree with you on that. I think there are worse teams in the league, but I, I suppose the, the the warning is always going to be there. If you do go in a in a bit of a, a slump and a bad run, it can be very hard to get out of, especially with a young team, because I think like they would they would run on confidence more than a, than the kind of the gritty experienced unit they used to have. Because bear in mind, like they did essentially let go of like four different defenders in the summer. Like they let go of practically everyone. And I'm thinking like that's a very risky thing to do because you have to try and bed in your new but newbies straight away, you know? Um so it would be interesting to see. I, I do see them as a bit of a work in progress. So I'd like to see them improve over the season. But if they do have a good brand of football, I think that does help matters a good bit. Um I suppose like we we actually we actually recall over Brentford last last week as well. Um, they're just really good outfit. Like they're 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 a born Premier League team, and as Burpas said quite well, like they are able to do both things. They're able to play good football and also able to show real true grit to to eke out results. So um, yeah, I'm 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 happy for them. I I want to see more of them. Um, as well, one game we didn't capture there, uh, but Burpas going to take the lead on for us now is Southampton versus United, which was a bit of a surprise. I think it has to be said. Um, I just liked this because Southampton we had pretty much relegated or relegation fodder in our preseason predictions, and um, United with their massive summer signings, um, with possibly more to go, were kind of favourites to win the league. Um, in some people's predictions, or at least to really, really challenge for it, and it just showed how. United are just so unpredictable they just don't play good enough football to put teams like Southampton to bed which is just uh, I think it'd be very frustrating season for a Man United supporter this year and also great entertainment for us when we're looking for glimmers of hopes and positivity as Arsenal fans <laughs> It's fair it's, it, there's going to be a strong sense of schadenfreude this uh, this season um, I, I, I couldn't help but agree with that point about Man United where like that, that game against the Hamptons is a match they should have won. But in a sense, if you did watch the game, you could tell, oh, actually, Southampton should have won that match themselves. Like, and that is kind of the frustrating thing uh, for United in the sense that if they do want to start challenging for league titles, you can't really afford to drop points at these type of matches. You do need to actually well, be the better team. It's, yeah, well, you've got to stop fucking switching off. 
Yeah, that's like, it. The, like the Southampton goal came from Stevens pickpocketing Fernandez. Like Fernandez, the the hat trick hero from the first game. You know, mm. man who single handedly put Leeds to the sword alongside Pogba. He's like he was just twenty five yards out. He's just on the ball. Nobody's saying anything. He's just like. Meh. I wonder if I've got chorizo at home. Oh shit. <laughs> and he just gets fucking totally like and this is Jack Stevens just came up now don't get me wrong he had to fucking measure his pass to absolute perfection and fuck yes. me <laughs> what's that a fucking true ball or what but mm. it was brilliant you know and that's just it and ah man it was just it was fucking yeah and the defence as well let himself down as well Maguire switched off completely he was yeah. absolutely sold down the river by Maguire of all people and it was just it was just crazy like you were just looking at them going like that you know Luke Shaw's being penned back by Theo Walcott mm. <laughs> you're looking at them going what the fuck is going on here like these people are, these are they on crack <laughs> like, this is nuts this is absolutely nuts like and again fully enough one of the few people can't really blame anything on is De Gea yeah um, because there was nothing. I'm like, when but the ball takes that kind of a deflection, you're you're fucking boned as a goalkeeper. You're just like, not lads, fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> it was just, it was just, it was that the one particular angle that you know you can't reach because yeah. it's it's far too abused. Like you never reach it. And mm. um, as well as on the well, we're on this United talk. It, I think is this the fair the right time to mention Ronaldo? Um, oh yes, they've signed Ronaldo back. Yeah. So again, as we're recording this, this has been a very strange day of transfer news again if you're someone who's hooked on to this stuff i i i've, I've weaned myself off over the last couple of years but um i can't find the logic in this because it started off with oh it's gonna be man city man city man city you're gonna it's find because cavani's going i heard he's out he's off he wants out i don't see it but the, if that was the case why did he sign the the option you know like if if sign if sign the option sure but if you want to just leave then don't you know the kind of way i don't get the I wouldn't get the lo- I don't get the logic of either one is what I would say. With like Man City, I needed a why I, I like he wouldn't have been a good fit there anyway. Um, especially considering that like the team is full of ego as it is, and you don't want to add another massive one on top of it. And um, the truth be told, for this word, I thought he was a shoe in for PSG, but I, obviously I was wrong in that sense. But um, I just find it a very strange move in the grand scheme of things. Where when you do look at the Man United team, the weaknesses are very fucking obvious you know where they need to improve. And to their credit, they had improved in those, in those spaces. They had got Varane in. They had got Sancho in. They didn't need Ronaldo. You know, what they need is a number six. What they need is their midfield to start, act, start acting like proper fucking men, in that sense, and not having these kind of weird like, performances against Southampton. Like, would Ronaldo have saved them against Southampton? Maybe. But it will, will it save them against certain big matches where they are being tactically outclassed? in certain areas that's that's the question we should all be asking and like it's a very strange move i get that it it kind of weirdly enough and i don't know what you think about this like as for a world-class player it really felt like a panic buy it felt like oh shit man city are gonna sign him no offer more money we'll do it it's just like but why no yeah well in, in that regard, I, you know, it makes a lot more sense going to Man City than Manchester United Yeah. Um, for him because essentially, even at 36, he's a massive upgrade on Aguero and he would do mm. it 
he would do anything. No doubt, had they had Ronaldo in their squad, that they would have absolutely minced Spurs. No doubt. Um, because he would have absolutely snaffled every one of those chances that they were serving up on a play. He would not have missed any of fucking them. Definitely. Uh, I th- it's just... I don't think it was a panic buy, but I, I genuinely think it was a sort of impulse, as in, yeah, he's... I was like... Oh, Ronaldo wants to leave Juve- Juventus because they're on the decline, and everybody's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Imagine you're like, "Oh yeah, it'd be great if we could get him back." Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, all those mm. bollocks. And then you know it, it transpires through the great point. No, 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 no. He does actually want to leave. He's out. Allegri has come out and said he's like he doesn't want to play anymore. Mm. He's walked into my office and told me that he's through playing. He will not play another match for Juventus. The Juventus aren't picking him anymore. They've just played a game and he wasn't in the squad. Holy fuck. Okay then. Oh, he's going to City. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. What's the fees like? What are the fees being bandied around? 20 million? <laughs> we can we can afford that. Fuck yeah. 20, 20 million for the best player in the world. Like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, fuck yes. Get him in. I don't give a fuck. You know, and I, I suppose that, that was it. And then, obviously, they were like, well, in a straight dog, a straight shootout between City and United, he's going to want to go back to United. Yeah, you know, I'm mean, like at his heart, he is a bit of an egotist, you know, and I don't think at City you don't really have fans. Mm. <laughs> what well, well, few fans they have, you know, he's they're they're not gonna welcome a former United player who for six years absolutely mauled them when yeah. he played he played against them. So, but we, That's a very you know, fair we point. going back to United. It's universal adulation. Like, there's not a single United fan who's not going to be literally jizzing in their pants at his signing. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't think it's a panic. I don't think it's a panic buy. I think it's a buy they didn't expect, and mm. they were kind of like, right, you've got five seconds to pull the trigger on this, otherwise, then he's off the city. And they went, well, actually, yeah, you know, fuck it. It's only a two-year contract. We can afford it. You yeah. know, they are financial power. They're not backed by a, a nation state, but they are still a financial powerhouse. Mm. And um, if anything, it's going to sell a fuckload of jerseys. I, I, I was literally about to make this point because I, I think I said this last season about Man City's kind of or Man United's transfer policy kind of being based around the name as opposed to the, the actual need for them in the squad. Hmm. Because like I've noticed, like if you, if you do know the pattern, the one exception to this actually is Bruno Fernandez, where you could actually say, "Oh shit, he has been brilliant for the team," whereas you could look at Pogba. Uh, and in more recent times, Varane and Sancho, and say, "Oh, they're great brand names. They're good, like names to have on the shirt. They'll sell, and they'll be brilliant." And like Ronaldo, okay, granted, he may not even play a game for Man United. Of course, he will, but like his money's already been made up by the rake load of shirts they're about to sell with Ronaldo seven on it. I don't know. I can't remember who has seven. I think I think it could be Mark. Who, who has seven at United? I can't remember. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll look that one up. Man United fans are screaming at me now listening to this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he's going to be wanting that seven back either way. Like, so, um, is it matter? I don't think it's matter. I think he's 11. Anyway, sidetracked. The thing about it is, like, I'm, it, it, I, I am like, obviously with these transfers, I'm always very curious Ooh, to see who play out. It's Cavani who was the seven. Do you know what? That, that could probably why he's leaving. <laughs> That is that is interesting. That is interesting because if it is Ronaldo seven again, then like he has to be CR seven because he normally gets it at every club he goes to. So yeah. like, 
I mean, Cavani might have to fucking scam moves. Like, I don't know what, again, the FFP, FFP could be a factor in all this, but um, yeah, they might have to just like sell Cavani, not for the wages, just for the shirt number. <laughs> He's like, hey, I'm Edison Cavani, what's my new shirt number? Um, I'm not sure. Let me give Juventus a call. Let's see what they want. <laughs> see what's free. What um, number looks best of black and white? <laughs> exactly, yeah. I had to say Cavani um, in Italian. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not it's Cavani. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 interesting times ahead with this like really bizarre arms race. Between well, hang on. If Cavani's, Cavani's already been registered, so he won't be CR7 this season at the very least. No, it has to be next season. So they like CR seven plus one, one plus six. <laughs> one plus six. Yeah. There you go. We do it that way. Um, oh, they'll probably do some really shitty brand. Like they did with Messi with like being thirty. They'll do like a weird brand thing where it's like, oh yeah, no, he's not CR seven anymore. He's CR forty seven. Huh? Am I right, lads? Huh? Forty seven. Great number. I might, do, I might do that stupid thing like where uh, fucking. I think Czech did that when he came to Arsenal. He didn't want number one, but he went with yes. 34, 34. 33 or something, wasn't it? Yeah, something. he went with his age. Yeah, yeah. Time. Oh, that's what they do. They do CR 77 because yeah. two more sevens, you see. Yeah, 77, yeah. So I, I really hope that's not the case. <laughs> we just oh broke that God. news on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, we just totally <laughs> jinxed that one. <laughs> Love it. Um, nevertheless, though, uh, as... Um, I suppose to sign off our kind of thoughts on this match, uh, I kind of like Southampton this season, Neil. I'm not going to lie. I, I thought they were going to be a bit of a fodder, but they have done a bit of a Southampton. They've brought some youth into the team. Um, you may have heard about him, uh, Tino Livermento, uh, a right back. Yeah. Really fucking good. Like, he kept he kept Martial quiet. Um, and, uh, great, Yeah. Uh, at 18, yeah, and uh, there's more in that in that system. I think they signed like three Sam Chelsea players, and one of them was uh, was Borja, who was a, an Albanian international, and um, did very well in the, in the in the league cup when they smashed Newport eight 0 But they're getting players back as well, like Elianusi and the uh, and the like, and they're just and, uh, getting and getting Warren Prowse onto a new long term contract as well. That is a big deal. That is a really big deal because even like even if he doesn't see it through the contract, that's like thirty million in the pocket. Like that's that's a, that's a, that's a smart business. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm a big fan of Adam Armstrong. Like I like the way he plays up front. Like like he seems like the most. Hey, sure natural... He doesn't just sound like the alter ego of a Marvel fucking hero. He does, in fairness, but so does like. I am Adam the... Armstrong by night. I am <laughs> the, the saint. saint. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Saint Armstrong, I like that. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think Southampton now they've gotten back that grittiness. Yeah, you know that kind of that sort of ah oh, fuck, this is going to be a pain in the arse game, which is what Southampton always were. Mm. Southampton were always a pain in the arse to get through, but for the last couple of seasons they weren't because they went off their project youth for some weird reason. Given that it was working better than ever, I mean, Liverpool had pretty much based their entire transfer, you know, uh, <laughs> transfer Policy dealings thinking, over yeah. multiple seasons based purely on what Southampton were doing. Yes. Uh, and then they just decided, oh, no, let's stop this. <laughs> let's not do that. And let's do something else completely different. And it fucking went mm. down like a lead balloon. So now they've gotten back to youth. They've gotten back to, you know, let's get stuck in, lads. Let's play, let's play some good basics football. Let's really get in. Yeah. 
let's put them under pressure um Indeed. I, what i've noticed as well it actually does coincide i don't know this it wasn't major news but um it actually coincides with a change of ownership at southampton yes and um, because their swiss owners basically sold their sold most of their major stake to a chinese uh businessman so it's kind of like a shit a split between them but he is now the the, the principal stakeholder i think and i get the feeling that's the, been the change of policy where they are going to a bit more, they're trying to do money ball again in the same way that a few other clubs have been doing in the league like Leicester and so forth and doing it better. You know, you probably say Villa have done it better as well. So like Sahanda going, oh no, no, this is our game. We, we invented sports ball or money ball. Fuck this. Like, you know, <laughs> so they're thinking like, okay, well let's, let's sign all these young players. Let's sign them up. You know, they already sold off things for great money. They've got a, made a profit on Vestigard. So like that's the start. And they'll be probably wanting to do the same thing with, with Armstrong and oh, like, Adams. Uh, they've they've gotten Livermento down for like five six years long contract. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like if Absolutely. he keeps playing like if he keeps playing like that within four years, he's he's moving somewhere for sixty million quid easy. That's the thing, and that that's that should be the really annoying thing for Chelsea that they are they're producing so many players and yet just outwardly refuse to acknowledge their existence. Like how many like. <laughs> Like, okay, granted, like our example when Solanke wasn't end up being the best, we still made a fucking stupid profit on him. But look at the likes of Terry Glante and now Livermento, and there's so many others that over the years. Like, if you're Chelsea, you're thinking, like, okay, granted, we have about 80 players on staff, but we need to start fucking using some of these. The lone, farm, the lone farm army. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's ridiculous how much they're producing and how much they're just wasting. Like, they're, they are literally like the one percenter killing the climate, ki- ki- killing the environment. Not going yeah. away. They're polluting it's, us it's with good players. Like, like I, I'm, I'm actually surprised to even get players to play for them anymore because, like, mm. every single youth player is just like, yeah, no matter how good you play, man, like, you're never getting into the first team because they're going to go spend 80 million quid on some fucking German guy, then spend 100 yeah. million quid on this tank to beast him day in, day out. Like, yeah, great, you won the FA Youth Cup. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck. You know, you're not Belgian and you're not worth 78 million quid. So Yeah, exactly. Like, apparently resale value means fucking nothing if you're Chelsea. Yeah, go fuck it. Yeah, they, well, that's the thing. Like Chelsea, they're like City. Like they're, they're not operating in the same financial rules as everybody else. So it doesn't, it doesn't yeah, bother like, them. Like they spend 100 million quid in the goalkeeper. It's no skin off their nose if they spend 25 million to actually replace him with somebody who's good. Yeah, no, fair point. That's exactly it. Like, yeah, like, like I said, it's very evident. I know with the Super League shenanigans, it's kind of like you can see the divide, but this summer is really fucking evident where like it's Real Madrid and PSG having a, like a dirty fucking handshake to go like Mbappe, Mbappe. Fucking like, you know, and then PSG well, at going... Least Real have, at least Real have done something to try and balance the books. They've sold Varane off, sold off Odegaard. Delighted about that. That, that um, is fair. Yeah, that you know, is They've true. at least made yeah. some selling. Like they've at least shifted out some players now we mm. may make the argument that all right then Varane they probably kind of pulled you know it's pants down a wee bit Varane's coming towards the end of his life he's probably not gonna be that good he's played alongside Sergio Ramos who they also got rid of um yes. for most, of his, for most mm. of his career so I mean is he gonna be as good let's see time will tell but either way they got good money for him you might argue that Odegaard is not the type of if you want to, if you're doing a rebuild, Odegaard is not the kind of player you want to be selling. But fuck it, no Arsenal fan will ever complain about this. Yeah. Uh, but like they at least went to kind of well, no financially rebalancing thing. They're not having La Liga put a gun to their fucking temple and going, "What are you doing, signing Aguero? What are you doing? Are you fuck? This gun is loaded. We will pull this trigger. What the fuck are you doing? Don't sign another player. What are you talking about?" 
you know, it's just it's just insane. Like it's completely. I love, I love in this fictional sketch. It is just like a really shitty hostage situation. It's like stop doing the thing I'm telling you not to do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like Barcelona, the world's worst fucking hostage to have. Like, <laughs> stop eating know, the chocolate. What? No, uh, you've eaten three bars. No, no, I, fuck, I swear to God, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, let's move on anyway. Let's talk about some other, other football that's there. So, uh, Bert Bob will take the lead here on the exciting two-all draw between Marcelo Bielsa and Rafa Benitez. Not much to say on this other than uh, for Leeds versus Everton, that was just a fun game. Just un- two unpredictable teams doing unpredictable shit on the pitch with uh, a fairly predictable scoreline, albeit. But, yeah, no, a fun game. I suppose, like to to kind of counter that uh, argument, um, what was the very interesting thing about that was Everton probably should have won this game. Like they were probably the better team for the most for the for the outset, and um, and Leeds picked them back twice. As I say, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised about Rafa's revolution at uh, at Everton. It seems to be going. It started very well so far. Four four points out of the first six. Um, I'm intrigued to see how they'll go. You know, because they've they haven't done massive transfer business in a sense they've, they've got squad players and ironically enough it's the squad players that's doing the job for them Townsend and, and Demary Gray scored a great goal in this game it's like yeah it's like that's, this, this Rafa does he, he he makes people feel better about themselves once, yeah, well, the thing about everything is they always had good ingredients they just always had shy cooks never meant you know never did anything well with those these mm. good ingredients like they just kept they just keep seeing to seemingly buying in loads of quality and then just fucking him that was just it like and now they've bought Rafa and I'm going god damn actually you know he can do some shit Mm. like and Rafa's just one of those managers where if you back him he will give you results that's just that's just it Rafa plus money equals success yeah and they do have fucking money let's be fair there's no fucking there's not a whole lot of managers where you can immediately make that equation and it works but Rafa's one of those people because he's he really is a fucking great coach yeah um yeah, I'm like they really should. I'm like Everton fans, Toffees, they should be fucking thanking whatever lucky star they wish upon that he signed from. You know, he's gonna get the best of the Calvert Lewin again. Mm. You know, um, Lewin is a Rafa player, hands fucking down. Oh, absolutely. Really, and Richardson, like you know, again, very I guarantee you he's he's looking at Calvert Lewin. He's going looking at England team. It's bollocks up front. It's absolute bollocks. <laughs> Kane's gash, uh, and outside of him, they've got nobody else. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like. There, there's fuck all. They won't, they won't play Ings because apparently mm. he's just too common for them. You know, he, yeah. stinks, he stinks to play so apparently. <laughs> he's you know? too working class. Fuck that Absolutely, guy. yeah. You know, they're afraid he might whip out a Burberry cap every time he scores a goal. Or <laughs> you know? he, he lives out in Birmingham now. He's, he's <laughs> exactly, you know. Um, for some reason, they just don't like to cut a Bamford's jib, so he's not getting in. Too posh. Too posh. Exactly. He's, he's far too posh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He might whip out a crown every time he scores a goal. Uh, <laughs> play the cello exactly <laughs> but, or pay, pay other people to do it but yeah, I guarantee he's sitting at Calvert Lewin's shoulder going if you put in two, one two good two you do what I tell you to do I guarantee you in two seasons time you'll have a three lines on your chest mm. and, like, and for like a while Permanently. not, not yes. just oh you're being brought in for a dead rubber or a friendly like you will be called up mm. like Bamford's been called up yeah, Bamford's got the nod. I think oh, it's, yeah. I don't think Kane is in the squad for this time. So like Green, Greenwood's not Bamford. either. Greenwood's yeah. not either. But that's my point. Like, you know, that's that's how he's motivating. He knows how to get the players. He knows what acupuncture needle to push into what brain cell to get them yeah. to go, right? I am going to run that extra yard faster. 
And uh, yeah, no, that's that's and he's formed a really good fucking squad there, you know, solid at the back. Mm. You know, it signed Coleman to another extension. Wonderful. Um yeah, Hamas is Hamas is gone as well, so the the kind of mercurial kind of the I suppose the X factor is gone of the team, but it's become it's because now it's more functional. You can now imagine that Rafa will 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 base that midfield very solidly on grit and, and determination. And the output will come from the wingers and from the strikers. So, like the team does kind of write itself now. Well, he was got. He was always going to go wide, particularly in this game, given that Leeds yeah. lineup that fucking Bielsa had. Three three one three. Yeah, three is fucking insane. Three three one three. Fucking. <laughs> see, I, I don't even think there's a sky graphic for that. It's such a no. There isn't. They have to keep going for four. With a back four, like all the time, and they're just like, "Yeah, look, we just try and enter that in," and the graphic just goes, "No." Yeah, computer says no. It was like. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You must enter in a real formation. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's that's just it. So he was. I'm mean, like up against that. You gotta go wide. You know. Yeah. Um, and and as far as I know, I think um, I did see this earlier on that that Hamez is going to Porto, um, on a loan deal. I think it is because I think Everton are in talks with a Porto player, and it's basically an exchange. Like it, it's a season loan back and forth. I will. Get my source up, source up here. I think it was from from uh, Paul Joyce who made the uh, made the announcement. I'll get it in two seconds because I want to drop this hot news in you, Neil, and see what you think of it. There we go. Uh, yes, it's a winger, Luis Diaz. Uh, so Porto, so Everton wants to sign him, and then as part of the deal, Hamez will go to Porto on the loan. So that's the that's the deal basically, and uh, good business all around for everyone to be fair. And um, so uh, let's get let's get to one of the shocks of the of of last week, the Monday Night Football, West Ham against Leicester. Burke, I'll take it away. Um, yeah, West Ham tore Leicester to shreds in this game. Um, unpredictably, I think um, uh, Antonio Valencia just absolutely bossed it. Um, everyone's been talking about his superb celebration, um, the dirty dancing thing, and I liked his post-match interview. But actually, just he is the type of forward I think Arsenal could do with. Um, just kind of bosses it and has a little bit of everything in his bag of tricks so I just enjoyed was watching him in during the game because I just think as a centre forward it's something that we're missing as a club and uh, it just made me very jealous but it also showed that like Leicester even though they're pipped to be up and among the top four this year um, do have a serious weakness uh, in their defence. Yeah, um, again, I don't think anyone really had this pegged as a, as a potential result but um, I suppose the red card will do that to you. Um, Again, but in all fairness, I think that's being slightly disingenuous now. I mean, yeah, yeah, West Ham yeah. were well in control long before Perez decided to do what he did. No, in fairness, yeah, they were well, they were very comfortable in that game. Um, and again, that was before Michael Antonio broke out the fucking stage at the the stunt double, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, like again, it always goes to the point that like West Ham are just going to be one of those teams this season that you're really, they're really going to switch it on or switch it off. And I'm not going to lie, like um, I'm just going to be so interested in how they're going to do in Europe. Like I really just, I'm just, I've got an inane curiosity to see how they're going to do, you know? Because um, I think they only signed not to make a permanent signing. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, Which is quite bad. I mean, like, that's quite a light squad. And yeah, it's only because you, you started off by mentioning the Europa League and bringing it up. Mm. That, that, that the Europa League fixtures, they're going to test that squad. That, I, I don't see that squad holding up. Too well. well, that is the question. Like, I mean, like they, 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 I think they will have a few, um, few irons in the fire there. Like, I mean, Zuma is a potential arrival. 
and um, with Ronaldo coming in, you might argue Lingard's up for sale now as well. Like yeah, yeah. Ole said, he's happy with Rafa's. Um, that was before so, Ronaldo fucking knocked in and demanded short numbers, you know. So yeah. you know, it, it, it's a possibility. And the way, I, and the way, the reason I'd say that is that yes, you you could say that um, West Ham are a good outfit now, but I think they're a very different outfit with Lingard. Like it was uh, just you've, you've totally to whisper it, love saying West Ham are good. No, I'm not saying that. No, 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 no. The no, hint no, no. of an idea to whip. Yes, yes. No, dash. It's a dash. Yeah. Like it's nothing more. And um, honest, I'm actually quite. The, the thing I'm happiest for now is from Moyes. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. Like, he, he's yeah. still not getting over the debacle of the Man United. So, like his time hmm. at Manchester United, where he was just derided as some kind of fucking crazy old man, you know, who ain't what she used to be. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He, does he, he, he was more like a, he was more like Limmy. He was more like like running down the fucking streets of Edinburgh, going the tender winds against us, <laughs> holding a picture of Marwan and Fellaini in his hands. Like, yeah. Um, no. Yes, he's constantly that. stepping into that rake time and time again. <laughs> it certainly is. But uh, um, but yeah. they're on balance. They're going in the right direction. The trust in Moyes is, is paying off dividends for them hugely. Yeah. They need depth. They really, if they don't add depth, I don't see them lasting in the Europa League very well. I don't see them. No, and that's a fair point, especially when they, when the Thursday and Sunday games start kicking off. They do need the squad rotation. Because, um, like I said, like Antonio doesn't, doesn't have the greatest injury record of, of all time. Neither does Yarmolenko, neither does Fornals. Um, Bowen, you can kind of sit your watch to in a sense, but Bowen can't carry the team himself. Like he is a, he's, a wing, he's, a, he's a winger and has a great output, in fairness to him. But again, one man is not going to make that team there, for, especially for the Europa League. But again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite intrigued because we're going to go through the groups later on and we want to see when, see how we get on. Uh, again, we will, we will end off with these match reviews uh, where we started with Arsenal and the 2-0 win uh, for Chelsea. So my thoughts on the Arsenal versus Chelsea match, um, it was very disappointing performance. We had a lot of players out missing for Arsenal, but I don't think there's an excuse for the way we played. The kind of tactics were all over the place and for that I have to blame Arteta. We had uh, Xhaka dropping back into midfield or out of midfield into defence and it was just like absolutely no help to Tierney versus Rhys James. Pretty much the only benefit to Chelsea versus Arsenal for me was kind of seeing how useless our attack was um, because I would hope it would kind of give impetus to the board to maybe um, move on some of the deadwood if they can and try and get someone in but I feel like that ship has sailed and the other benefit would be that I had Reese James in my fantasy football team because I had a feeling he would just rip shit up and I was correct on that. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so yeah, would you, would you agree with, uh, with, with Burt Paul on that Neil about, uh, about our performance against Chelsea? Oh yeah, they're terrible. Mm. <laughs> Uh, like, like, did anybody really give them a chance against this? I fucking didn't. I thought it was going to be six nil. I, I like, I, if anything, I thought your second half was so good that it stopped it from being more. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, I mean that's that's to say, like. I th- no, I lost, think you guys are going to have some serious problem with your defense this season. Like I, okay, granted, it's well, if it keeps the... getting injured and keeps catching COVID, then yeah, we're going to have some. <laughs> Well, it's not even that. Like, I, I mean, I don't. I, I think Ben White's gonna be okay for you, but I, I'm worried about the people that's around him. Like, okay, granted, I do, I do rate polling to a certain extent, but 
I really need you to get Callum Chambers out of right back. It really doesn't fucking suit him. Like, like, like some some guys are like, I can Box see him as a right back. No, no, no. I, I, yeah, but here's the thing: he is so much better at different positions. And Southampton kind of recognised that themselves when they did sell when they did sell him. But like, honestly, it's not gonna work. It just isn't. You can't have. Kieran Tierney, who is just all action all the time, like a Robertson-like like centre-back or full-back. And then you have a Luke Shaw-like Callum Chambers, who's big, burly, and defensive on the opposite side. The team is so unbalanced because one is getting constantly getting caught out of position then. There's no link-up play. There's no synergy between the two full-backs. And then defence-wise, Pablo Marie. Oh, my fucking Lord. Like, I've never seen someone like a wet wipe fucking swept away by, like, by Lukaku. Like, that was embarrassing. Like, yeah, I, like I I've seen like, it happen to the likes of Lovren and so forth and went like, yeah, well, that's Lovren. I'm not surprised because he thinks he can take on fucking brick walls and then suddenly gets weird about it when he suddenly has a concussion. You know, kind of way. Pablo Marie should know he's not going to beat Lukaku in a physical fight. He has to get in front of him. He has to cover. He has to block the lane. None of that. Yeah, None exactly. of that at all. He fell like, for it. That's the thing. You know, like you're going to come up against people who are stronger than you. So in that regard, like the one thing if you're doing any kind of research on Lukaku is what he likes to do is get close to play players and roll them. And what yes. does he do? Just stood right on him every single time. And just Lukaku just rolled him. I was going, oh, for fuck's sake, man, do you not learn? Like, yeah, that's what has me so intrigued for, for this weekend's game, Liverpool, Chelsea, because if we are presumably rocking with the, uh, with the partnership of Van Dijk and Matip, um, you might think, like, oh, Van Dijk and Lukaku is going to be an interesting battle. No, no, that's not the battle. The battle, the battle is Lukaku and Matip, right? Van Dijk, yes, of course, he's, the, he's the, the general there. He will keep that line. But Matip's greatest skill is anticipating a ball coming in, but anticipating a pass and cutting it. Like, if you do, like, it's something that you don't often see, but interceptions-wise, he is fantastic. And not only that, but he's also great at playing out the ball from midfield as well, from defence as well. He is great at break, at anticipating the play and then being the first pass in that system. He That is his one great skill as a, as a defender, ironically enough. Van Dijk is your destroyer. He's the guy that you can't get past. He's like your last fucking, like, barrier in gladiators. Good luck with that before going to fucking escalator. Matip is the guy that like is a preventative action. He's the one that like stops it coming in the first place. So that's why I'm so intrigued because you would imagine Lukaku is going to target Matip because he's he's not as physically strong as Van Dijk. But I think it should be the other way around. Matip's the one to to, to clean up. So I'm intrigued to see how it'll go and go tomorrow. And um, I'm expecting to lose, to be honest. But I, I'll be I'll happily take a draw <laughs> or a win. You never know against the European champions. Um, but yeah, it, it'd be interesting to see. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a funny one for Arsenal. Obviously, you guys have Man City tomorrow as well. Uh, I can't imagine you guys are fairly optimistic for that one. Not really, even though with the news that like they're missing both Foden and the Bruyne. Mm. Um, I don't know, and also most of the players that we have out um, are going to be back. So um, mm. you know, they were they were. Aubameyang looked very sharp against Bromley now, in fairness. But again, that's because he was I was kind of on. Tapping, doing tap-ins really but you know, again I mean, goals are goals like in the end like when it comes to it like Bellerin's back in full training he's available for selection uh, unfortunately Magalhas isn't back he is Bodo back in training he's recovered from his knee injury but mm. he's back in training now uh, Party won't be back either He's but he is back in training uh, White recovered from Covid and he's being monitored so I think he faces a life fitness test 
Okay. Uh, Sack is available. Uh, mm -hmm. Tierney's available. And Odegaard um, as well. Hmm? Of course. Odegaard as well. Oh yeah, Odegaard's back in. Yeah. His visa came through. He, he wasn't he wasn't in the last game because his visa got held up. But yeah, yeah. Odegaard's back in there now. So you might have great. Yeah. almost full strength. Yeah, pretty much almost full strength. I mean, we're regards to full strength, we're missing Magalas and Party. Um and that's assuming White plays. If White doesn't play, then we're missing White, Magalas and Party. Yes. Um so yeah. Yeah. We're gonna have easy. a we're gonna have a better team than we did against Chelsea, um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'm not really that um, optimistic. But the thing is, is that like they, the, the city don't have any really centre centre forward, so I don't see our, I don't see Mari getting absolutely fucking trundled out, <laughs> um, if he plays in centre defence again. Yes. Um, here's the pride of White because this is the type of game that. Like City are the type of team that White is made up for because yeah. he's not good in the air. Um, he, he's, he's an anticipator. He, he, he's, he's a good, he's, he's he's a a good low anticipator. Um, yes. So I mean, like, you're not slinging in high balls to Gabriel Jesus. Mm. <laughs> you know, like no, fair um, point, yeah. exactly. Fair you're point. you're cut, you're doing cutbacks, and that's what good White's good at. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not confident that we're gonna win, uh, but. I don't know. I mean, if we're twelve to one to win. Might be worth a fiver. <laughs> I was to say, like, it's it's good odds all the same, like you know. Um, they're 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 decent odds, but uh, no, yeah. I, I I think I think out of the I think we've got a good chance of getting a draw. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Anything can happen. Like again, if Spurs got a win, you could get a win as well. North London could be the the the, the curse for uh, Man City. You never know. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's our Premier League rundown. Uh, we are going to be talking about the Champions League and Europa League very soon. But first, let us talk about the women's. Um, of course, myself and Neil, unfortunately, don't have services. So we are completely <laughs> unqualified to talk about this. But thankfully, Bert Bot, our uh, women's correspondent, um, is on hand to talk to us about the WSL, which is kicking off this weekend. Ahead of next weekend's WSL kickoff and uh, championship kickoff, um, just a couple of headlines to point out, as I previously mentioned on our last podcast, a couple of the key transfers, there's been a couple more and the likes of Birmingham City doing bits. Um, they had a very turbulent season last year with, you know, player welfare rights and not having grounds and giving the under 11s priority. But I don't know, maybe the owners have put their money where their mouths are and actually put um, some uh really good players into the squad uh the key one being louise quinn being made captain and the signing of shelburne ladies um jamie finn who is one of my favorite ones to watch so she's going to be going straight into my fantasy football team but birmingham i think with the additions that they've made could stay up yeah, um, just on that point, actually, um, can I just say how wonderful it is to see Irish players being appreciated in football? Like, isn't it not? Isn't it so weird to see like, oh wow, all these Irish players are going to top teams in the Premier League? Okay, WSL, but it still counts. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like in fairness to in fairness to that, like, to, they're they're two great signings for a team that really fucking needed like 
actual talent and leadership. You know, you can't go wrong with Louise Quinn and Jamie Finn. I will totally back up Burkwad on that. She is a hell of a player. And I can't wait to see her tear up the WSL. Even when watching her play for Ireland, I couldn't believe she's still in Shelburne, in a sense. No disrespect to Shelburne, obviously, but she's a WSL standard player. She's absolutely well worth it. So it'd be, I'll be interested to see how that gets on. Uh, let's continue the rundown. In terms of who's going to get relegated, I'm going to say Aston Villa, just based on their transfer window. They haven't really done um, too much kind of sensational signings. Um, but I just think that uh, with what Birmingham have done, Aston, that puts Aston Villa under serious pressure. The battle at the top then, I think, which is the kind of main thing about the WSL, I think you've got um the three top normal contenders you've got Chelsea you've got Arsenal you've got Man City all three of those teams are pushing to outdo each other in this transfer window and I think if Arsenal can make one more key signing in midfield then they have done it but as things stand City have bolstered their bench I would say more so than their starting 11 whereas Chelsea have done a Chelsea and added to their starting 11 uh, with some key signings, I think one of which being Lauren James. Uh, City have brought in for their reserves. I can't imagine her starting. Alana Kennedy, she is one hit and miss player that can do absolutely sensationally good things and then absolutely daft mistakes. So interesting one, I have to say. Yeah, on that point, like, um, like obviously, uh, I suppose the biggest change for Arsenal women was that obviously John Montemore left for Pastures New, um, but like in a sense, I don't think you've really missed him that much because the squad has actually been bolstered quite well. I think I think you've had a really good summer in that sense. Yeah, we've had a fantastic summer. Uh, Freedom Adams come in really good. Yeah. Um, everybody's dribbling over Mana Iwabuchi. Oh um, yeah, like and- the, perhaps the best deal of this of the window, I would say. I know, I know, Burp, I mentioned Lauren James there, but Iwabuchi. Very good deal. It's fucking superb. Um, we've played it. We've played some of the Champions League uh, qualifiers there, mm. and she scored a fucking peach of a goal. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, uh, the Cazorla references are being oh, yeah. Yeah. reamed out in force, and you can see why. And if they ring true, holy shit! Mm. Yeah, she and- she is going to be it for us. And, and it says so much as well that, by the way, like we've mentioned, you mentioned two signings there. And oh, oh yeah, you also just signed the key to Paris from Leon as backup. <laughs> to, to it's just like, okay, you can now rock with a front two of Medina and Paris with Iwabuchi in the pocket behind. Fuck. <laughs> just fuck. Yeah. And then Katie McKay playing four different positions behind them as well. Like, fucking Actually, hell. Yeah, Katie McKay on left and right wing. Left wing. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's a good, I have to say, like, the Arsenal team are looking really good, like they are. Um, yeah, I think it's it's just come down to to just investment. Also, we've invested a lot in the back room, mm. at the back staff as well. Um, so I, I'm not sure if I pointed out previously at the Stilberto uh, interview with Ars blog, where he actually gets quite angry at the conception that Arsenal don't have as good a team as either City or Chelsea. And he's yeah. like, we have as good a team as Chelsea do. Um, we're a notch below, only a notch below at times, Man City, and that's simply because mm. they're operating with unlimited funds. Both those teams are yeah, operating. Yeah. It goes, we didn't lose this on the, we didn't lose last season on the pitch. We lost it off the pitch. If you look at the backroom staff, both those teams have twice the number. Mm. And there's a reason why then they were able to motor when we spluttered a wee bit, and 
you know, Arsenal have corrected that. Now we've got dedicated staff in virtually every single position, a number of de- dedicated women's staff in virtually every position. It, it's been going really fucking great. The backroom staff, of course, we have to update and recruit better, better on the pitch. Losing Van der Donk, you don't lose a player of that quality without and not replace her without suffering. Um, but we have. And it's, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's looking up. Like, we're not out of it by any stretch of the imagination. We are in it. Um, I think it's yeah, yeah. And fucking first, our first games against Chelsea. You're like, holy shit, oh, like, yeah. WSL set up the fucking rocket. I'm like, yes. geez, I guarantee it. Like, the, when that fixture lift came out, I'd say people who really big up a lot on women's football were like, yes. This is what people will want to watch. This is how you get people in. It's the average for WSL. Absolutely. Get them in. First game of the season, Arsenal beat Chelsea. Love it. Love it. Um, so yeah, let's 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 see what else Burpa has on her mind. Um, I've had the pleasure of watching Arsenal women in their uh, Champions League um round robin sort of games. So the way the Champions League set up was this year was different groups. Um, played out in a little mini tournament in a destination and the winners of those progressed to the next round. Arsenal were drawn against Slavia Prague in the next round, which those matches are coming up this week, which means there's a very quick turnaround between their Champions League match on the Wednesday evening and their opening WSL clash with Chelsea at the uh, um, men's stadium. Therein lies the problem oh, with God. Arsenal this season if they really want to consider themselves... Yeah, like, let's do that, yeah. Hit the balls on that one because the first game against Slavia Prague is on the Tuesday. Ah, right. So, yes, and I think the, the, the Chelsea game is on Friday, isn't the 5th, it? Yeah, so the, the yeah. Slavia Prague game is on the 31st, then the start mm. is the 5th, Oof. and then the next Slavia Prague cool. game is on the 9th. Yeah, that's a, that's a rough one, but um, again... But it's, like, it's, like, and it's late on the Tuesday as well, like it's 7.30. Yeah, so you're flying yeah. back fairly late as well, so yeah. Yeah. If you're not, if you if you're even flying back that same night, because I wouldn't, I don't I think haven't they stopped doing that? I know Arsenal, Ar- the Arsenal men's team now have stopped doing that. I'm like, that goes back as far as like uh, Emery. Emery always stopped that. Emery always like, no, we're not flying back in the night. We'll I, it does depend on the club because I know from our side, from Liverpool, it is like immediately back on the plane, back on the plane, and you sleep on the plane, kind of yeah. deal. Because they want to get back back in the training and back recovering, so it depends on the club sometimes. But um, yeah, that is a, that is a rough turnaround. But again, you might argue like match freshness. You never know, like a bit of form, a bit of momentum. Always, always got to do uh, do your wonders good. So uh, you never know. Little uh, contenders, they've got to get that squad balance in order. So they have a very tough. Uh, game could have been a lot tougher with the likes of Rosenberg and Leon uh, <laughs> possibilities to draw in the Champions League, but thankfully they got, you know, still a tough side, Slavia Prague. But um, when I say tough, we did beat them 13 uh, 2 on aggregate the last time we played them in the Champions League. So I don't think they'll be too upset with that, but still, squad rotation is going to be key here. And that in like that is going to be the issue going forward this season. Between COVID and injuries, we need to have a squad that can stay fit and healthy. And like I genuinely think we could be title contenders with our strike force. I think we were just mirroring that point we made earlier on there. So yeah, yeah it's fair enough. Like if you're fielding Paris and Medima, you've got a chance. Yeah, you're in the conversation at least, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> You're not being written off by any stretch. No. 
Um, so I do think Arsenal could do it this year, but it depends on whether they want to focus on Champions League, getting as far as possible in that, or getting the league title. Um, Chelsea, again, are going to have similar issues as are Man City. Man City got a much tougher tie than Arsenal in their draw. They got drawn against Real Madrid, who are doing bits to bolster their squad to try and compete more with Barcelona in the Mm -hmm. Women's League over in Spain. So I do think it's going to be a a toss-up between uh, Arsenal and Chelsea at the top, Man City dropping down to third. And then in fourth, I think Everton have done so well in this transfer window that they are going to be serious contenders, maybe even pushing Man City out of the top three. I can see your point, though, in fairness, because Man City, like, a bit underachieved last season. Like, uh, Yeah, but third with the fucking additions in the squad they've got. Oof, that's a hot-ass take. It is a hot ass take, but then again, sure. If you're if you're expecting Arsenal to do bits as well, like it, uh, something has to give. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I know yeah, yeah, is a great much race, but still, I understand three into two don't go, but no. And that's a tough. hot take. Like if that City team is yeah. like when you look at that City team, if that finishes third, that's disaster. Unless they win the Champions League, that is the that is the question about proposed. Like like some of these teams are going to be thinking like. Because if I'm not mistaken, I don't. I, I think the last like team to win the Champions League in England was Arsenal, and yeah. that was quite a while ago. So yeah, um, I, I think there's an impetus for the WSL to get a winner on the on the on the books. So yeah, but still, like that City team finishes third. That's going to be that's going to be it. They'll need they'll have to win the Champions League. Yes. for that not to be considered. Even then, people are going to be like third, really. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like the big shiny cup. It's one we've always wanted, but third, look it's at what organization we do. does not tolerate failure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm like I still find you know people get lower. People have been lowered into shark tanks for less in football. Um, yes, that's a hot take. Yeah. I, I'm liking that hot take. I, mm, I like this. Yes. That's what we're here for, Neil. We want hot hot takes about uh, about when here and hot takes. Podcast is all about. The main reasons I'm saying this is they have managed to sign under the noses of several other big European clubs the contract of Benison from Rosengard. She's an under 18s or 18 year old Swedish soccer player who uh, really shone at the uh, Olympics this year and has signed a five year contract with Everton, which I think could be the missing piece for them pushing for that top three place. So uh, I, I don't know some weird audio interference there with that clip. I don't know what happened there, but um, but yeah, like again, it's a fair point. Like I mean, again, the the league is quite good for dark horses in that sense. Um, and and Everton, to their credit, I, I will I will I will say about Everton compared to Liverpool, they really do care about the women's team, and they are they are willing to give give them great players. We mentioned about Govan signing for them a couple of years ago, and uh, like I said, they always they often do tend to like pick get the players in before the big teams do the team the players that could go missing. Everything tend to pick up, so yeah. Again, you never know; it could be um, could be a dark horse, and I hope they are because they are a very good unit. So you'd want them to do well. As you can hear, my dog is also really excited about that transfer. <laughs> They've also bolstered their squad in the last season or two Big with toffees, Valerie apparently. Govan and Izzy Christensen, um, and then a couple of their mainstays have just kind of come into good form at the end of last season. So hopefully, they can continue into this season. But yeah, really strong contenders. Indeed. Yeah, there's my uh, predictions for the WSL. I do think it's going to be a hodgepodge in the middle of the pack. 
uh, it's very hard to determine who's going to get the fifth down to uh, 10th positions there because it, there's not too much between them uh, which is going to be a shame for United supporters to hear that but looking at how well I'm going to say it in inverted commas uh, their squad has been handled by the board then I just can't see them doing too much um, obviously they've got good players but just I can't see the mismanagement allowing them to progress too far this season but I'd love to hear your opinions on the matter. Do you think Man United can contain... Um... Stop it. <laughs> no, the answer. Um, no. Like, uh, like we, we, we haven't actually mentioned United that much in terms of WSL because, like, their projects seem to just stop. Just, just fucking stop, basically. Like, they had Casey Stoney and thought they were brilliant and they signed a couple of uh, American talents at Groenland and thought they were brilliant and thought that was enough. And then when they realise, oh, why are we not winning this league? Oh, wait, other clubs are taking this seriously? Ah, fuck this. No. <laughs> no. Stop. Like, yeah. And then I think that obviously the big loss is losing Lauren James as well and not really replacing her in a sense. Yeah, there, there might be a few squad players here and there. But, like, like in reality speaking, I do see Man, Man United being a mid-table team. Uh, and let's be fair, this is a league that doesn't really have much of a mid-table. You're either taking the shit seriously or you're not. And I kind of feel that Man City and maybe Spurs are kind of in that middle ground of like, we might take this seriously, but we're hoping no one will notice if we don't. You know, kind of way. Sort, sort of. But they do have, the players they've gotten in are actually decent enough. I mean, the key yeah. one being they got in Eva Mannion. That is a big um, deal now. Yeah, so Eva Mannion... Um, Sophie Bagali from Bristol as well as a decent enough goal. Great signing for for her personally because she got exactly. so. Um, got Blundell in from Chelsea as well. So they've actually picked up some of the again. They've done a bit of an Everton where they've picked up players that have slipped through yeah. the cracks, so to speak. But yeah, Dominic, they did lose a lot of players, and it remains to be seen whether or not the handful they brought in will kind of restore the balance there. I yeah. mean, they're definitely talented enough too, but whether or not that team can make it work. Mm. It, uh, yeah, that, that, that's the trouble. It's like they, they didn't necessarily sign, like Chelsea, Man City, and perhaps Arsenal in some places are like literally like signing like superstars. Not kind of yeah. way, they're actual league winners. Whereas Man United are kind of playing the safer get option and kind of getting your squad together and then maybe trying to get a platform to move on. But much to the point, like there's such a difference between the top three and the rest of the league. Like, that's a big gap to jump. And whether you can actually make that jump or not is, is questionable even still. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I can only see them. I can see definitely Everton being better than them this season. No doubt. Um, I think Everton are kind of the oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fourth best team in the league. Yeah. It's a matter of them putting the season together. Um, and, like, yeah, like I, I just see them as mid-table. I they won't get relegated anyway because, as Burkwa said, there's other shit shows in the league to, to choose from. <laughs> um so yeah, I think they'd be fine in that sense. Um, so let's let's wrap up the review. Let's see what Burr has to say. <laughs> Continue uh, their slump, or can they overcome the issues at the club and push into the top three uh, or top four? Even though top four isn't really. Uh... Jesus Christ! <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm glad that like, it's not just us that's disrupting the women's football, you know? Mm-hmm. Not only is it like us giving out about it, but it's also the dog. Doggos, <laughs> yep. Yeah. In case you're wondering, lads, that is like dog shake for why isn't there a men's World Cup? <laughs> that's what that was there. Um, 
So what are your guys' opinions on the WSL? Do you agree or disagree with my predictions? Um, yeah, I think I've made a, you know, a big call, I think, pushing Everton into the top three. But um, uh, yeah, I'd like to hear your opinions on whether you think I'm correct in saying that. Well, um, again, like we've been kind of jumping back on these points uh, while uh, Burke was talking there. But uh, like I said, it, it, it is very much a three-horse race. Um, I would hope, in that sense, that the leaders of the league isn't just fodder. Like I would hope that there are some, there is some genuine competition down the line and so a few upsets. But I do see it just between being a proxy war for the top three teams. I don't, I don't know what you think about that, Neil. I, I agree, but I don't see that lasting. Okay, if you get me, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think right now, but like that sort of top three mask is a wee bit, it's slipping because there's only so much that City, Chelsea and Arsenal as well can reinforce before mm. like you're just, you're just throwing pass at a wall and hoping something sticks. Whereas yeah, the other teams beneath Everton, Man United, if they want to, mm. um, Birmingham as well, like there's serious gains they can make to the yeah. point where they can become real fucking nuisances. Whereas... Arsenal, City, and Chelsea, like we've designed, like if you're not signing elite, you know, you're not, you're not doing it right. If you're not signing elite, you're not going to get any better. Yeah, that's and, and that's the thing, yeah. You know, so I think, and I think, also Arsenal are really under pressure as well to do something really fucking good this season because there's quite a number of grumblings in and around the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that you can only get Williamson to sign a one year extension as well, considering she is a massive gunner fangirl. Yeah, uh, it's quite telling. As in, like, holy shit! There, there has been that kind of fear that there's there's a bit of a decline in the infrastructure at Arsenal. Like, uh, like it's, it's almost a case where like whatever kind of malaise that the men's team is starting to rub off on the women's team. You see, that's that's the thing. What I was saying there earlier on about Stilberto's um, interview with Arsenal hmm. as well, where he pointed it out. It's like we're not losing on the pitch; we're losing off the pitch, off the pitch and that's yeah. what Arsenal need to address. And t- to their credit, they seem to have done that. Yes, at least, but, um, and, and I, I'll jump, jump you back on that point for myself with um, with with Liverpool. Like we mentioned it last week as well, but bringing Matt Beard back um, was a huge, was probably the biggest like transfer of our summer in a sense. And we've made some pretty fucking incredible signings for Championship sides, you know. Like we're actually treating the taking that sh- this shit seriously. But the difference is as well, like the Championship is also ramping up in quality too, because there are teams that actually do want to be WSL teams. Like you'd actually make the argument now you could expand the WSL because there are more serious outfits in there now, like Durham and Sheffield. I'd also throw in there as well because they got Neil Redfern back, which is kind of ironic because he wanted to try and stop us from being promoted. There's a bit of bad blood there from, from when he was there. And <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's a funny one in that sense. And I would, I would be intrigued to see how both leagues go. Cause obviously there's only one spot free in the championship. I would like to think Liverpool would, be, would be at least um, co-favourites, if I want to say that, because I think Durham would probably be seen as the best team in the league. But with the signings we've made, holy shit, that they are they are great signings overall. And they're not overpowering. They are adding to the quality that was there beforehand. It's just now everything's a bit more in focus. And especially because you mentioned Arsenal there, but the infrastructure, we're putting back the infrastructure for the women's team. We're starting to get coaches back in. The social media is starting to pick up a good bit as well. A lot of positivity, a lot of improvements, um, and more of a fan base as well because there wasn't much to begin with. Now we're starting to, to cultivate that more, and I think that's a real positive. So it'll be interesting to see on both sides, on both leagues, what's going to happen. Um, should be a good season for everyone. Um, we will continue on this podcast, Neil, because 
This week, the European draws happens. And this is the important part of the podcast where we talk about these groups of how all these oil barons will fight against each other in pitted combat to definitely qualify for the next round. <laughs> and conveniently enough, the group the groups um, worked out really well for us because most of the bastards are in mostly three groups. So let's get into it. Um, starting off with Group A between uh, Manchester City, Paris Saint-Germain, two cherubs of, of world football, and long way sweet Cathy Sider Leipzig uh, <laughs> against the Belgian giants of Club Bruges. Um, I like this group, I'm not going to lie. I feel dirty even saying that. No kind of way. It's just like, oh, I really shouldn't be enjoying this. But yeah, that that's that's spicy. That's a spicy group. Um, but it, it, it evidently, like there'll be some good games in there, I have to say. Club Bruges are, are a good playing outfit. Leipzig, obviously, are like literally the production line of European football. Um, and obviously, Man City and PSG are just an embarrassment of riches. Um, yeah, I'm pitting, City, pitting City and PSG up against one another. Um, I enjoyed that. You know, mm. I mean, I I quite liked you know seeing that, but uh, yeah, no, that's that that there's gonna be some tasty games here, some really tasty they are, games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would you do? I, do you see Leipzig as a banana slip? Yeah, that would absolutely. Mm. Then they'll they'll put they'll put the effort in with the Champions League. Mm. Being a, particularly that most of those Leipzig players will be wanting to go to either City or PSG Stay to true, earn their yeah. huge wages, so. What better way of doing that than, hell, I'm, I'm just gonna smack a few goals past you, and you know, stages really make the group stages quite nervy for you. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Who would you say is top in that group, though? PSG or Man City? City. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming so, but like PSG is such a weird, like, homunculus. It depends. It depends on how Messi hits the ground there. Yeah. That's the thing. That's he the gets in, and also if they've still got Mbappe by that Mbappe, point, well, they might yeah. not. Uh, I think he's the subject now of a third bid from Real Madrid. Which I think could be the one that, that goes, because I think they said they wanted 200. So if that is the bid, then they'll take 200. They want to make a profit on him, basically. Yeah, well, Leonardo's also said that he, Mbappe wants to go. Now, yeah. given, the, I suppose it's a whole other conversation that we probably don't have time for now was to... No. The sanity of bidding 160 million or potentially bidding up to 200 million for a pe- quid for a player you can get for free in 11 months' time. Yeah. But, um, like, let's not kid ourselves. Like, when Mbappe goes off in a free, it's going to be a goddamn feeding frenzy. Like, yeah. every motherfucker's going to okay. be in from. I think Real are like, look, we're going to spend this cash now because there's no guarantee we're going to get them. Whereas we spend the mm-hmm. cash now, there is a guarantee we're going to get them because nobody else is going to be doing anything. And much of that point, they'll probably make that two million, two hundred million back on TV on T-shirt sales alone. Like you know, exactly. And you know. It'll make for a stimulus package for La Liga as well. They're probably yeah. thinking in that sense. People and want in, to watch in particular, like if Mbappe drives them towards winning, mm-hmm. you no, know, the yeah, yeah. that's it. La Liga as well because Barcelona aren't winning it. They've only got Atletico to deal with. Atletico are kind of, uh, you know, hithering, dithering. I would say is probably the word to use. Yeah, they're dawdling. Yeah, so yeah, I'm gonna give you pushes them to league success and cup success and hopefully Champions League success for them. You know, he'll he'll be worth every penny of that 200 million. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the that'll be the, the question there. Um, so again, taste the group. What else? Also, taste the group, and I would say perhaps the group of death in this situation is Group B, which is Atletico Madrid, Spanish champions, Liverpool, Porto, and AC Milan. <laughs> Again, 
if you know your Champions League history and if you were waking up, uh, coming out of a time portal and then seeing AC Milan as pot four in this group, you're thinking, what has gone wrong? What has science done? Um, that's a serious fucking team. That's a serious group. Um, it's, it makes for a lot of great European nights at Anfield, but again, there's also part of me went, oh, can we not just get the group we had last season? They were so much fun. <laughs> But we we got some good games in, in mind here. Three really tough teams as well. Like Atletico, we yeah, had really... like three former winners and fucking yeah. and Atletico, three yeah. three other teams that have lost in finals. Yeah, like it's three winners, Liverpool, Porto, Milan, and then a team that's won that lost three finals in Atletico. <laughs> like, what are the fucking chances? That that's the that, that's the pots like that's the pots betraying you, and. But yeah, it, it, it's a funny, it's a weird old team because obviously Liverpool, we know we know what to get with them. Milan being that kind of really mercurial group where like it's a team that's in 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 situ, it's developing, you know. Like there's well, the, they've lost on a Roma, which is always going to be a big fucking blow. Yes, they've gotten in like Tamori's done really well there, yeah. uh, and Magnon as well. Yeah, Magnon, uh, Mike Magnon, yeah, great he's, signing. He's he's a very good signing. Got Giroud as well there as well. So. Yeah, I don't know. Like you know, <clears throat> it's the first time they've been there in what five, seven, seven or eight years. In seven or eight years, yeah. That's what ends with a four. Yeah, so the co F is pretty bad. Well, I, I don't have them going past the group stages. I, it's, I it's gonna be a weird one. Like this, like I, I can't see Porto Milan qualifying. Um, I can see Milan certainly get the Europa League. Um, because I think, I think Porto they've kind of declined. Like Sergio Coenza was a bit of a, a is a bit of a, a stinker in a sense where like. No one really likes him, but they can't like disagree with the fact like his awful shithouse tactics really does work in like. Oh, absolutely! Well, I mean, they've always performed well in the Champions League, so that's yeah. why, like you know. That's it. Yeah. there, I think Liverpool is top in that group, though. It, it, Atletico, Atletico, Atletico aren't that good in Europe. Yeah. Um, I know they've hit the final three times and lost three of them, but like quite often they start slow. Now, don't get me wrong; like Liverpool started quite slow to the last season or the season before that. Yes. That was so, a tactical thing as well, though. In fairness, because exactly, they, they the thing, themselves. Well, that's to see if it if it is it was a tactical thing or if it's you know a bit of a, a an endemic DNA kind of thing. Yes, it's that. But I still I still see his top in the group. I, I think so. I think so. Like Atletico again, we mentioned they have not really done much. They kind of consolidated the team they had, and hmm. um, and in fairness, like you can't go wrong with the likes of All Black and if Joe Felix really actually starts playing ball. Um, you're doing really well, but it's a very functional team. Like it, it's yeah. a team that won the league because they went on a run and no one else was able to catch them. And they capitalised on the absolute chaos going on at Real yeah. and Barcelona. And much that, and, and much the key point, they've not capitalised on being La Liga champions. They haven't yeah. gone out and bought superstars. They've kept the unit the way it is. So it'd be interesting to see how they go. Um, group C is a bit of an open one, to be fair. And um, Sporting <laughs> Lisbon, the, the most open group. <laughs> it is actually, to be fair, it's a really good shit team group, group. Like, so you've got Sporting Lisbon, Portuguese champions. Shockingly, considering that they were, that you had fans rioting at their training grounds six years ago, shows you how well Portuguese, Portuguese football's been doing lately. And exactly, um, yeah. Dortmund, who I've just been watching uh, today, having the crack of giving us half a time. Uh, Ajax also uh, in the Champions League as well, and then Bejitas making their return too. And um, Brigitte has, of course, uh, making waves by signing Michi Batshuayi. Anyway, moving on from them. And um, so, <laughs> again, a very open group. Like any four of them could qualify, to be fair. Because um, you can expect any one of these teams to be a calamity and not and, and shit to bed. 
um, particularly sporting, to be honest. Like, uh, like sporting do have that kind of like they have a good crop of like talent coming in, in the team now. But it's a team. It's a team that's designed to be in the shop window and get sold on to other other teams for for stupid money. So I kind of see that's where they're going with Dortmund. I'd imagine they would qualify. Um, yeah, I, I have um, thought I have thought them top in that group as well. Yeah, um, um, I actually should qualify as well. Yeah, I, I actually doing really well. I mean, in particular, yeah. I was actually quite surprised they managed to hold on to, of all things, their manager. Yes, because um, it seems like everybody and their fucking mother was out for him over mm-hmm. the summer. Like, was just wanted him in. Like, you know. Yeah, but and I, and that's a fair point as well. Like he he's, he does great work there, and there's a, such a stupid amount of talent with Ajax, and they're using the talent as well. Like they're, they're keeping the talent, they're keeping the talent too. Yeah, exactly. And um, like again, I've always been amazed that they kept been able to keep David Neres because he looks. I looked at him and I just see, oh, that's just Firmino who plays on right wing. Why aren't we getting him? <laughs> like you know, it's, it's one of those weird things. It just doesn't work. Like, um, but yeah, like they have a great, great, and they have a great crop coming through. You know, like Graven Burke, um, I think there's another player there. I can't remember. Abalde, I think his name is, um, who's a Burkina Faso player. Like really good player. Like really good, like blue chip players that are coming out again. Um, because this is what Ajax do. They just develop players and sell them on. This is what they do. Um, so I think all the scouts are going to be in this group watching. Who can we? Who can we buy from these teams? No, ignore Bajitas. We're not buying Betuai. Fuck that. <laughs> um, group D is a bit of a is a is a bit of an automatic one as well. Inter are at uh, top seeds, obviously from winning the Serie A. Real Madrid are, are in pot two. Then you have Shakhtar Donetsk. Who shockingly were not drawn with Man City this year. Who knew? Um, well, actually, then, funnily enough, this group isn't like three of these teams were drawn together last season. I was about to say like this is an almost identical team um, to uh, to group into last year. And the only difference is uh, Sheriff Tiraspol uh, being the first Moldovan team in the Champions League. So good on them. Yeah, um, they beat Zagreb in the playoffs. 3-0 as well, like. <laughs> yeah, they beat them. Um, but it's funny, like, uh, you go, through, you look at that group. I looked at that group last season and uh, Inter finished bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, which is so funny to think of now. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so. And Shakhtar yeah. finished third, despite the fact that they beat Real Madrid home and away. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, great. Yeah, it was a weird group last year. In fairness, and um, I, again, I, I kind of expect the same again. I, I, I could easily see Inter drop out. And that's yeah, I, I, to be honest, with you, I don't see them. I don't see. I see, I see Real. I see Real top in this group. Although I don't see them going much further than the group stages, unless they get a very favorable uh, round of thirty-two draw. Mm, um, they might. Yeah, they might. Which they, they might. Yeah, but. I think they're very much, they're not reliant on their players or their team. They're reliant on that draw. Yes. Uh, to see very them true. through. Very, very true. Which, yeah. that, which when you get to the quarters, doesn't really count anymore because there's no more fucking draws. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're pretty fucked. Uh, exactly, yeah. So, um, Inter yeah. have been gutted. I don't see them doing anything. I see them finishing third. I agree. I agree with that. And, um, uh, like Shakhtar again are, are one of these teams that like people watch in Europe and go, "Ooh, I like that Brazilian player." Thank you, thank you, thank you. And they're just there to to they're they're there to be played in a in a very literal sense. And um, they've added to them like they've bought one of the Traores. They bought a Traore. Yes, Sana Traore. Sana Traore. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they've a few others as well, but like they've won their league like four times now in a row. So they'll be mm. able to focus on the Champions League. Yes, the, they'll they, they're to... designed to get around a 16 and cash in and out you go. You know, exactly, way, yeah. Do. And I, I reckon that's what they'll do. I, I, yeah. I see them finishing second. Yeah, that's a fair point. 
Um, so Group B then was almost the Bs. Uh, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, <laughs> Dafik and Binamo Kiev. Oh. Um, almost. Um, spicy group, has to be said. Barca Munich. Have to be some of that. Excellent. Well, the flaming carcass of what used to be called Barcelona. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Barcelona. There we go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's. This is going to be straightforward for Bayern. It's going to be a cakewalk. You'd like to think so. You really would like to think so. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously for Munich, like it, for Munich, it's it's an interesting to see how Nagelsmann Munich will do, especially with the Champions League, especially with now the bigger bigger players like around. Yeah, uh, uh, Nagelsmann you know? has got a bit of Pep syndrome there, and that he's not really convinced in Europe. But I mean, like, they're almost odds on to they're going to win their tenth league title already, aren't they? You know, come on, large, yeah. fucking especially especially if they do go on ahead and, and sign the like sign Holland as a. Lewandowski replacement. You know? <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't. Isn't it weird? Like in a market where, like, like it, the market has been so fucked up that no one has noticed that Lewandowski also wants to leave Munich. Like that is like fifth on the billing now at this stage. Like he could literally go to Spurs tomorrow and no one will fucking notice because everyone's looking at like Ronaldo <laughs> and Mbappe and Haaland and everyone else. It's like poor bastard. Like you know, yeah. he's, he's thirty-five. He's not fucking retired. Like you know, Jesus Christ. Exactly. But um, um, yeah, I, I, I see yeah. Bayern just walk in this group and I wouldn't be at all surprised if Barcelona went out the group stages. This is the kicker because Benfica um, are, could be a bit of a, a bit of an interesting like It's a pity Burp was not here because obviously he has the, the hookup with Benfica news. But um, the real interesting thing about Benfica is that Jorge Jesus is back. And if you're a Benfica fan, you know him as the crazy person who actually did really well for us. Yeah. Um, like he's mental. He's completely cracked. Um, and he's only back from winning the Copa Libertadores with Flamengo. Nice. So he that's not would... a fucking difficult thing to. Do. That's not an easy thing to do. Like... It's not. That's the thing. So he does have that. He does have that level of crazy that a lot of those like those type of managers have. And that crazy does translate well on the pitch for Benfica because the players like play a high intensity football. And they do have a, a few like little blue chip players like Dar- uh, Darwin Nunes comes to mind, um, mm-hmm. who I think Brighton are trying to sign before the end of the window. And if they keep hold of them, happy days. But those are the players that you might see in the shop window for Benfica. And let's be fair, for Benfica, they kind of need to get back to being that club because they've, been, they've lost their way in the last couple of years. Um, and especially for Portuguese football overall, they need to be that team. Do you know Kiev is going to be an interesting one? Because, Neil, Kiev have actually been, become Ukrainian champions for the first time in about 10 years. They broke the curse of uh, Shakhtar Donetsk. Yeah. Um, and they did it by not losing a game. At home, as, as far as I know, I think they went through the entire season like pretty much like conceding. No, they lost think, one game. They lost one game. That's what it was, and yeah. I think they conceded five at home, which is an insane stat to have, mm. like real like Rangers level stats, you know. And yeah, but then again, it's much of a farmers league. I don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't see them getting out of this group. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I would agree with that. I think they they could be a banana slip, but I that is essentially it. I think they're just that. Um, uh, and certainly not a banana slip for Manchester United. Holy fuck, the easiest group you could get. Uh, Villarreal, <laughs> Atalanta and BSC Youngwoods. I just, I love the little bit of salt in the wounds of being drawn in the same group as Villarreal, but Villarreal of top seeds. Like, <laughs> oh no! But <laughs> well, in all fairness, like fucking Manu went, Manu went out of the group stages last season. So, they like, did, yes. Yeah. They did. And again, like on paper, like you'd like to think United, they have the best squad. Of course they do. Like, Villarreal, Atalanta play beautiful football. They really fucking do. And 
with Man United, you could think, oh, do you know what? I would want to watch Man United versus Atalanta. I want to watch United versus Villarreal because they're just going to be objectively good games. Man, for Man United, you should be putting these games away, especially now with Ronaldo on your books. They, these are easy games for you. But as we've seen with the Southampton, the game against Southampton, they're not yeah. putting these teams away. That's in it, particular, yeah. Atalanta have a very good team. Gasparini's got them fucking running hard by yeah. and they've actually squad they've actually kept that squad as well because they've been Inter been trying to sign Dusan Zapata from Atalanta and I think anyway, they they put out Real last season. Yeah. And very nearly put out Paris Saint Germain. Yes. Precisely, yeah. Like the they, they they are a they are a dangerous team. They're a bogey team. Like you don't want to you don't want to have them in your group. Um, and again, Villarreal, again, it's you know Emery, he's a, more of a Europa League manager, quite literally, than Champions League. But again, it's not a bad Villarreal side either, especially with like Jared Moreno in, in on the on the books there as well. So yeah. it's gonna be an interesting team. It's gonna be an interesting group for them. But Man United should go through, and it'd be, be a bit of a toss up between those two. Young Boys, funny enough, is managed by David Wagner, formerly of Huddersfield. So very defensive team. Could be a bit of a shit house. You never know. Um, <laughs> group G is the sundry group, and it's like here's all the other teams. Um, <laughs> and now for something completely different. <laughs> and now for something completely different, the Europa League. You could um, very much, you could very much class Group G as the not football group. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, it's it's a really local group though. It's France, Spain, Germany, and Austria. Like that's not not bad in the old travel. You could do a fucking tour bus in that group. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't need to even need to fly. Yeah, um, exactly. Like I don't know. Like you know, Lille don't have a manager. Um, oh, well, they lost their last manager. You know, um, I, I was going to mention Lee Gunn later on the show. Yeah. My card. And the reason I'm saying that is because Lille literally lost their manager, Christophe Galtier, to Nice, um, who, were a, who were a conference league team, I think. And then followed it up by losing to Nice 4 0. So, like, that should tell you where Lille is at the minute. Um, exactly. They're top seed in name only. Yeah. Uh, Wolfsburg have also lost their coach. Yes. Um, I haven't replaced them either. Uh, you know, they've just, I think, I think Salzburg are going to go in there simply because they're just not as much of a mess as the other three. Yes. Um, and let's be fair, Salzburg have been rated themselves this season. Like they've lost Daka, they've lost Moenpu to Brighton. So they're a bit of a bit of a rebuild. But again, it's a Red Bull system. They will have replacements at the ready. They will just exactly. create them in their fucking lab, you know. And Sevilla, low key, really good side. Like Lopetegui has Sevilla playing really fucking well. So, like it's it, it's not as tough as it looks. Lille and Wolfsburg are jobbers in this group. It's down to Sevilla and Red Bull for for top spot. And yeah. I would probably reckon Salzburg might do it this season. I I I put my money on Salzburg winning this one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, H is a very uh, routine group as well. Chelsea and Juve top seeds. Uh, Zenit and Malmo there for the picking. And um, again, it's a very straightforward group for these two. You expect them to be fighting out for a top spot. I'd assume Chelsea will probably get it. I mean, Juve are still kind of like, it'll depend. It'll be interesting to see how Allegri round two is going to do. But you'd like to think Chelsea will have the number there, at least with them um, being Champions League winners and all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, not, not much to say about that group, really. It's nope. really fucking basic. Um, we'll bri- we'll t- briefly talk, talk about the other uh, groups and the other competitions. Uh, for any Scottish fans listening, I know there's probably one of you out there. Um, so uh, you might be happy to know that Rangers have a fucking awful group to be in. Uh, Leon, uh, Sparta, Prague, and Brondby. Now, in fairness, I can see Rangers coming out of this group. I can see them. I can see them making it because um, Leon are Leon are, are in a bit of a tail, uh, airspin at the minute. Sparta, Prague, and Brondby are beatable. 
Um, but Rangers themselves are not having a great start to the season either. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, elsewhere, Leicester, also a bit of a tough group for them. They got Napoli. Um, yeah. Spartak Moscow and Legia Warsaw. So a lot of travel involved. Russia, Poland, Naples, like some pretty some pretty decent away games there for Leicester. If you're yeah, no, but uh, th- that lesser Napoli game, that's going to be tasty. Very tasty, yes. I'd like to watch that myself, to be honest. Um, and again, it, again, it's another chance at Leicester to have a crack at Europe. Um, we'll be interested to see how they go. Um, <laughs> if anything, actually, if you want a really violent group, how's this for Group E? Lazio, Locovote of Moscow, Marseille, and Galatasaray. <laughs> oh, I think the winner will be the, the only team that can complete a match. That's a fucking battle royale. Like that is literally the Hunger Games as a group. Like I'm, I'm loving it. I'm all here for it. Um, again, Celtic have been dicked over in their group, and rightfully so. Um, Bayer Leverkusen, Real Betis, and French Ross, which was the team that knocked them out of the Champions League in the first place, <laughs> <laughs> as is tradition. Um, but this is a new Celtic, Neil. This is a brand new Celtic. They've got an Aussie at the Aussie at the wheel, not Oz, not Ollie, an Aussie at the wheel. Um, they got some really blue chip players. They like the guy like had his hookups in, in Japan and Australia, signed a lot of them. They're all hitting the ground running. Um, so you never know. There might be a bit of a surprise package if Batiste and Bayer have a, have a bit of a nightmare. Um, and if French boss are as racist as they seem to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, group H uh, then have West Ham in it. And they've got a decent group, to be fair. Dinamo Zagreb, Genk and Rapid V. And pretty easy money for West Ham, you have to say. Yeah, and not huge on the travel either. No, in outside fairness. of uh, the one trip to Croatia, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse. And last person to te- te- speak of are Spurs, and um, <laughs> they're in the Conference League. They're odds-on favourite to beat the to be semi-finalists in the Conference League, um, and they got a handy enough group as well. Stad Rene, Vitez Arnhem, and uh, Mura from uh, Slovakia, um, who are Slovenia. Apologies, um, who are their champions? Funny enough, so, and, and is everyone going like? Surprise champions at that. So, um, so they've got a, a steady enough group as well. So they should qualify for that. Uh, unfortunately, um, Rovers came the closest out of the Irish teams. They got knocked out by uh, by talent, Flora Talon, um, in a, last uh, last night. So they would have got a pretty good group themselves, but unfortunately, it didn't happen for them. So bad luck. Yeah. Well, they have to Roma are in the Conference League as well, aren't they? Yeah, Roma. Are, yeah, hell. they're actually the they're actually the favourites to win the Conference League at the minute. So That's a mad thing. It is. It certainly is. So, um, anyway, so uh, again, let's wrap up this podcast, guys, with our cods. So, uh, I'm gonna let Burkbot take the start off here because she has the uh, she she has the sound bites ready to go. So, um, Burkbot wants to talk about one of our favorite things in football: agents. <laughs> My choice for cod is um, transfer agents who are just transfer hungry, that they're not necessarily looking out for the player or the clubs, they are looking out for themselves. And we know they've kind of come into the spotlight in the last few years more and more, but it's just getting to the point where transfer window isn't about a big player move to a big club or a small player move into a big club to make a break. It is about how much money George Mendes is going to fucking make. And I am just sick of transfers being dictated by these creeps. And um, it's just like this transfer window um, 
has been, you know, the saga of Kane, who has his brother as an agent. And that's not necessarily the agent looking for the move. I think that's Kane looking for the move. But then you've got the likes of the Ronaldo saga, the Mbappe and the Messi saga. Just fucking ridiculous. Um, again, I know Mendes isn't involved in that one. Yeah, so um, I think uh, she might be, uh, we might be sympathising with her on this point. But let's see, let, let's hear what else she has to say. Mm-hmm. This whole Ronaldo saga is just doing my head in. I don't care. I don't think he's as good a player as everyone thinks he is. I think he's an arsehole. And I hate how he's making the headlines uh, based on his agent wanting him to move. I think Ronaldo probably would have been happy enough staying at Juventus if it wasn't for the fact that Messi had gotten the spotlight and Mbappe might be getting the spotlight more than him. So he needed to be back into the spotlight. So his agent provided and um, that opportunity to make the sensational move to some fucking oil run power hungry club unfortunately he ended up going to man united in the end but uh you know can't can't, can't get all the predictions right i guess you <laughs> know <laughs> at arsenal in the last few transfer seasons like the likes of pablo marie and cedric being very dodgy deals used by very dodgy agents to get themselves a bit of a higher profile and not providing anything to the team and it's just like we've been landed with these two long-term contracts and it's not just them there are other players involved in these uh dodgy agent transfers but i think just cedric is the one that kind of grinds my gears the most um but yeah like it's it's not doing anything for the team it's not doing anything for the player like the player is getting eviscerated on social media so how is that beneficial to the player the agent doesn't fucking care he's got his money it's just uh, just a load of shit and I'm sick of it. Like I'm sick of the headlines not being about football. I'm sick, sick of the headlines being about who's going to go where. It's like a girl's gossip chat of who shifted who on a night out. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't put that better myself, to be honest. I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, but yes, on the conversation about agents and perhaps super agents, like there does come a point where like, the actual conversation around these moves is really tiring to the point where like, it doesn't like, I don't, I don't know if there's a real comparison to it. Maybe in, you know, like in like an NFL draft or an, 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 an NBA draft where like the teams are almost secondary to the players at that point, you know, kind of way where like, it's a case of like, Oh, where is LeBron going to go next? Where is fucking Peyton going to go next? It's like, have has anyone actually asked the teams who they're going to be, like paying the wages for if they want these players not no 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 Aaron Rodgers has just arrived at our fucking camp well we better fucking sign him so I mean you know kind of way that's what the Ronaldo thing feels like so it feels like he's just arbitrarily decided to go to United so you must pay him 15 million a year you know what I mean it's just a, it, it is a, I go back to it there it was such a weird deal in hindsight um but yeah like the, like the, the power of the agents is kind of uh is kind of insufferable around this time of year because it is just the same suspects every time. It's also because they just keep pushing the fucking envelope. I mean, ha- the, the Haaland agent thing is just fucking ridiculous because Raola is just going nuts with Haaland. He's going absolutely mental with him. He's just turning around and telling teams, yeah, he's going to cost you a million quid a week and mm. I want 40 million. <laughs> it's disgusting. Like, 40, it is, it is, it is 40 million quid in agent fees. Like, yeah, fuck no, it, it's, off it's that. horrible. Like it's such a it's such an obscure form of, of exploitation where obviously the player is getting the fame and fortune out of it. But my god, the agent's getting his fucking money worth as well. Like 
and let's be honest, like all of these football agents are just failed footballers as well. Like Minoroyala was obviously too fat to even kick a ball in, in his in his life. Jorge Mendes just saw money. Um Bergman mentioned Charlie Kane, um, Harry's brother, which I'll get to later. Um, but like but the likes of them and, and Keir Jarabdin, they're they're there to make a book. They're there to make money out of football, which is obviously a stupidly inept like business at the best of times where literally you could be a snake oil merchant if you get away with it just look at barcelona just look at like Manchester city and all these other clubs who, who've been able to to spend stupid money and get away with it like any other business wouldn't do that but football is the is the exception to the rule um so yeah like it, it it's it's so bad this time but on that point though like if you want to kind of take, to take it to Arsenal, like we mentioned Kia Durabtian a lot on this podcast for, and they're not very, for positive reasons. Like a lot of the signings from Arsenal are kind of his dealings, if you like. We're like, oh, I know this player. He'll help you out with three million, whatever it is. And they seem like such bargains on paper, but clearly there's money going elsewhere, you know? Um, and like for, like, again, you mentioned Pablo Marie, Cedric, Willian, all them. Like... It, it, that's a that's a situation where like that's actively hindering the club because you could have gotten a better player there if you had the right person, but you're you're, you're relying on the one on the on the one agent, like. Yeah, but thankfully that this that little dalliance now is over. You know, mm. like we're signing in younger players, we're signing in players with resale value, we're signing in better players. Mm. So you know, yeah, we've we've had our midlife crisis. <laughs> With uh, Jarabtian, and so you told him to go fuck off, like so. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much, pretty much. Um, so yeah, uh, I will go next. Um, again, I had a few contenders for for this for this week, and Neil, I I feel like you might be odds on favor with yours, but I want to I want to take <laughs> the time to talk about the transfer saga that wasn't, and um, that being Harry Kane. Um, this happens every fucking year now, doesn't it? Is Harry Kane going to move? Where's what's going to happen with Harry Kane? Like, I'm actively kind of sick of the conversation at this point. But this year, we got the closest. We got the closest because Harry Kane very clearly wants to leave Spurs. But now is essentially... <laughs> we in- got the closest, even though yes. we're still like 50 miles away because Levi literally has all of the cards in this game. And people just aren't realizing this. This is this is what infuriates me about the conversation. Where is it like okay, granted, there is some pointless conversation about transfers, like like the ones with Haaland and and Mbappe we mentioned earlier, where like there probably isn't anything happening, but it suits the agent and the players to have hype, to have stuff talking about because it gets them. There's a there's a there's an advantage, there's a psychological advantage to it and all this sort of shit. With Harry Kane though, like let's not forget, you have a contract until 2026. <laughs> you signed that when Maurizio Pochettino was uh, that fucking close to win the Champions League for you, and then everything came went to pot. You could have easily said, "I don't want to sign that contract. I want to cash in." If you had any sense, but the fact that Harry Kane has essentially been strong-armed by his own stupidity and lack of foresight is kind of amusing to me. In a sense, where like literally any other player who can read a room can tell, maybe not like sign up to a six year deal if you have intentions of winning a Premier League title because you're not going to deal with Spurs you know like for the greatest intentions and the greatest expect of Spurs you're in a league with Liverpool with Chelsea with Man United with Man City there's four that's four teams I've mentioned already they're above you I, mean, I don't know if you noticed like last year West Ham and Leicester finished ahead of you Arsenal had a shitter season they could have finished above you as well so 
like at best, it's the seventh or eighth league to top uh, team in the in the league, and that is going to be the reality for Spurs going forward. I think they they started off well with Nuno, but are they going to break into the top four? No, not 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 in their current guys. They might win cups, they might win whatever competitions, whatever. But if your aspiration is to win the Premier League, you should have done that three years ago. You shouldn't have signed that deal. You should have moved when you when you had the chance, and he didn't. And now you look at Man City signing Grealish for stupid money. Man United have Ronaldo. They don't need fucking strikers anymore. They're done. They're locked in for strikers. You know, kind of way. Same with City. They don't need strikers. They don't do that shit anymore. That's fucking. That's last. That's so last year. You know, we're all about the number tens and signing all of them. <laughs> you know, so when you're Harry Kane, you realize, oh wow, all of my options have dried up all at once. I really shouldn't have signed that deal. And then getting this fucking. I, I do like Charlie Kane in the sense where like he's just a victim of he's a victim of ridicule for the sake of existing. Like literally, <laughs> he is his brother's agent and he has literally no other clients. Like he is the Wayne Lineker of Harry Kane. You know, kind of way. And even Wayne Lineker knows he's riding off his brother's coattail and he's fucking loving it. Charlie Kane is clearly the same way, where like, yes, I will have this happy office and my beautiful four-piece suit to wear when I have no clients except for my, my brother, Harry. Yes, would you like another scholarship, a sponsorship deal? Yes, I would. Thank you very much. Why would I want any other clients? I'm making so much money out of my brother, Harry. <laughs> it's like, for fuck's sake. Like, it's such a... I, like, I've never seen such a level of incompetence at, at, in, a transfer, in a transfer saga where like Manchester City are just going like, oh, we don't have any money to spend. We only have 200 million pounds and that's all going on our new organic garden outside the Etihad. <laughs> like, oh, the God. cheese room, man, the cheese room. The cheese room. <laughs> we can't let Spurs have the only cheese room. We're going to have a cheese and meats room because fuck you. You know, <laughs> I was like, like lads, honestly, it, it was such a, I, was, I actually, if I, who I feel sorry for are, are football journalists who go to work every morning for like some fucking rag, like the Daily Mail or the Sun, and this is their job, is literally to try and pick out morsels for news. And if that doesn't even work, their editors will just intimidate them into making news, into pretending that there is a scandal or a drama, when there isn't. There's nothing. Like literally Harry Kane has no, as we said, has literally no negotiating power. He's got nothing in this. So why are we making a story about this? Why isn't why is even someone at the Athletic? They should just looking at this going, this is not happening. You know, kind of way. The whole industry should be turning around going, this transfer physically can't happen because no one's going to spend 160 million on a player with ankles made out of fucking crackers. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it's mind-boggling that no one's called it a, it's bullshit. But it suits people to get wound up about it. We're talking about it now. We're guilty of it too. And... And for me, the, the cod at the end of the day is Harry Kane himself for agreeing to the deal in the first place, for then trying to make rumblings when you realise, oh shit, I'm playing for a mid-table team. And so for some reason, the picture of Alan Shearer holding his hand up is like constantly <laughs> in your mind. And you don't know why he's there. He's just in your dreams every night. You just can't figure out why he's there. You know, what did you expect? <laughs> what did you expect? You know, it's like... Exactly, it's ridiculous. Like you're halfway into a three-year deal, right? So, yeah, your three years—you've got three years left. Your wages aren't that onerous that they can't bench you for huge periods of time. And mm. also, he's twenty-eight, isn't he? Twenty-nine. Twenty-eight. He's twenty-eight. He's twenty-nine. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's there for life. Like, no, like, he's sitting there like, man, you're fucked. You're totally fucked. Yeah. Like, you've just got nothing here. Like, you can't, you can't do anything. And also, like, the team ostensibly plays better without you. So it's not as if, oh, if you don't play, all the results are going to go to pot. And so they have to give you what you want. Mm. No, no. I'm like, they fucking beat Manchester City and you were. I was about to say, they beat Manchester City. When you were in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's so pathetic in a sense where, like, there is an overinflated, and again, the media are guilty about this as well by making Harry Kane the fucking like the national hero who will save us all from I don't know food fucking like poverty and, and and Tories or something I don't fucking know anymore. Well, the thing is, like you you've overinflated his ego so much to the point where like oh yes he does feel like the the center of his own world, and then when suddenly you bring this like cold harsh thing called reality, <laughs> suddenly you're the bad guy. It's like yeah. That was your fault. <laughs> That's why you don't do six-year deals with Daniel Levy, because to him, that is a six-year deal. And literally like Mr. Burns, remember, you're here forever. Exactly, yeah. So don't sign a deal, you idiot. Um, but I had, I had to have a laugh at that, because it just fell apart so fucking quickly. You know, kind of way where, like, it's, it's, almost, it's, it's like someone almost, retreat, like, um, almost reaching climax and then realizing that their cock fell off. No kind of way. It's just like, oh, oh, no, that's gone. Shit. That wasn't part of the script, but fair enough. That's it. <laughs> We're done. Good night, everybody. <laughs> so um so we'll end this night then, uh, Neil, with your cards. Um and oh, my cards match the city. But yeah, not for the reasons do... everybody thinks. No. Well, but not we the reasons that we've discussed so far. Unfortunately, it's just it's been revealed now that uh Benjamin Mendy has been taken into custody on four car- charges of rape. Yeah. Um, however, these are things he's been on bail for. So he's been remanded in custody. Uh, sorry, four counts of rape and a sexual assault. Oh, well, 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 well done that man. Um, yeah, he's accused, of, he's accused of offenses against three women, including one of them aged under 18. So when I said, called him a non earlier on, I was actually kind of right. You, you, you actually did see it coming, fair play. I, yeah. did, I did see this coming. You, um, you predicted the nonce. Well done. Indeed, I did. I could spot him. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's mad. Um, he's apparently just been pissing all over his bail uh, conditions for because he was originally arrest, arrested and released under investigation on the 11th of November last year. Um, then he was arrested again in January. Um, and he said one of his bail conditions was that he can't have house parties. And this week he had a house party with up to 21 people at his house. He was then arrested over a further allegation of rape for allegedly breaching and for allegedly breaching his bail conditions. So he'd yeah. committed more crime on top of, breaching his bail conditions on the previous crime. So this guy likes to do a crime. Uh, <laughs> I feel like he may be too stupid to, to, to almost press charges. because Very much so. And this is going to fucking thing. So he's up in court now on the 10th of September and there's not a chance in hell he's going to be out on bail. He's going to get no. bail. Having he's pissed all over his bail previously. Um. Yeah, so... um. Yeah, I'm like it's got to be fucking. It's got to be City for fielding a player who's on bail. They for, knew about this for, for multiple the entire season. Yeah, it's yeah. like fielded him for multiple rapes. Um, and he was on the pitch. It was ridiculous. 
Yeah. And not even um, that though, it wasn't even a hint from, for, like, granted there was, I do, I do remember at the time that there was a story about a, a rape allegation. They never specified who it was. And I don't think they went into the details about what player it was, like in what club, because it got hushed very fucking quickly. Like it, it just, it, it's about these things. And again, like you, you, you wonder why, like, um, why, why women fans always kind of feel a little bit kind of like, um, like put out about football. This is why, you know, this is why, like literally uh, someone who has raped several women is been, is still being allowed to play football because it's during... Accused season. of, arrested on, suspicion of. Yes, of course. Sorry, apologies. Um, I don't want to get libeled. Um, but more to the point, if it is proven to be true, like that is still, that is an egregious error from, from, from Manchester City. But it's also down to the culture of football where it's almost seen like, oh, we can't have them arrested now. The season, the season's on. We're, we're, we're trying to win the league. We, we can't do it without Benjamin Mendy, who gets injured every three weeks. We can't do it without him. He's just such good banter in the in, in, in the locker room. It wouldn't be him, you know. As like, and then Pep Guardiola has his like annual crying session because Benjamin Mendy might never he might never see him again. It's like you have your priorities way off, you know. And and again, we actually, funny enough, on this podcast, we haven't actually even mentioned. Um, the guilty secrets situation, and um, he hasn't obviously been named outright. But I'm not going to say I'm not going to say what it is, so I don't get myself into trouble. But um, yeah. someone on someone on the uh, on the Twitter sphere will find out fairly quickly. But that, again, that has that is is been um, is been advanced quite quickly as well. But Everton, to their credit, have not selected him in the team. He's gone. He's he's out. He's not being um, has been formally released, but uh, from the club. But it's pending the investigation. So like there's a conversation to be had about how to handle situations like this. Cause again, we've had the likes of Adam Johnson's we've had other um, awful people in football as well. And they're just either, they're not brought either brought back into the fold or in Manchester city's case, they play him until it's publicly known. And that's the most insidious part. Where it's clearly, that's a horrible thing. Like you, you yeah. should really do it just like the NFL, like the American sports do it, which is, Oh, you're arrested upon suspicion. Great. You're out of the team until they resolve it. Simple as precisely. Yeah. And that's the thing, because they knew in November, they still were able, they literally had seen it. This is the priority. Was the fact we can't let it go public. We need him to be in the team. Well, like, for whatever mm-hmm. reason of like, not, not like going, all right, well, he got arrested once in November. Let's just hush it up. Keep it on the DL. Yeah. The January rolls around. Oh, he got arrested again. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't cover it up twice. Um, but they did. They, they yeah. covered for him multiple times because again, their, their priorities were completely wrong. Like if you're if you're a, a, a female like the Manchester City fan, how do you feel about that? Mm. The fact that the priority was oh keep Benjamin Mendy like quiet, as in like make sure that he's still in the team, defend him at all, not even defend him, but just cover for him at all costs until it gets out. Don't mention Zavar. Pretty much, yeah. It's like that. Is that the priority? Are you really that desperate to be a winning machine that you're willing to to basically allow allow this player to be in your locker room? Your dressing room and just let him play his like happy little game uh, while the fucking hourglasses above his head waiting is it dun, dun, diddle, dun, nonce like what the fuck exactly like particularly like i'm like the shit show that really should occur um if he gets found guilty yes you know i mean like, this, like, there should be an absolute fucking shambles that shit show about this there should be investigations on manchester city there should be investigation on other clubs. Let's be fair, other clubs have done this as well. There's probably there could be cases and instances where it have completely been hushed over as well. So Manchester City are not the only guilty party here. But 
the point is that there is a serious endemic problem with clubs having their priorities wrong by treating like this the like the Premier League's football as if it's like it's the only thing that's important. There's like, nothing you, else well, also, where where do you factor in a kind of like innocent until proven guilty thing there? Because mm. theoretically, he has not done anything. Well, technically, not even technically, he has actually not done anything wrong until yes. it's proven that he is, has. Um, but even then, like, 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 where, like, you can't. I understand, like, we're saying, right? He's been accused of rape. That's pretty fucking horrible. Best get him out of the firing line for it. But let's say it comes back, he's not guilty. Yeah. Or is in a case that calls against the central tenant of innocent proving guilty, which is one of the core tenants of our legal systems. And just, true, because, yeah. it, just because you yeah. find it a little unsavory for a football team. But I just, the fact that he was violating his bail. Uh, that's, the, that's the thing as well. Like, bail know, conditions it, as yeah. well. You're going, ah, come on, man. For fuck's sake, like, get your shit yeah. together. But that is that is part of a wider conversation, and I think perhaps Man City will kind of use that argument to their advantage if there ever was any kind of investigation about it, you know, because obviously we st- we absolutely do need to have that innocent until proven guilty mm-hmm. tenant, because there would just be which ha- which ones galore otherwise, you know, it's not this is the real life, not fucking Twitter in a sense, but at, at the same time, like this is where this is where stuff like that is abused. Um, and taken advantage of, and not just by Benjamin Mendy, who of course has broken bail several times to to potentially hurt even more people. But for Manchester City, they've used this as a veil because they've seen the league as more important than people's welfare and the and the justice system. And that's that is the critical thing. That is not just Man City, by the way. That it would be an endemic thing for all football clubs. If it was a Liverpool player, we would have had the same mentalities. Man United, Chelsea, anyone else. This is a this is a cold problem with the clubs themselves. That they have the priorities wrong. Um, so you think, uh, yeah. uh, think of more of a zero tolerance kind of thing should really go on. It's like you've been accused of a serious crime. Like, all right, fine. Mm. If you're like, you get arrested on a drunken disorderly or you're caught speeding, oh yeah, all right, all right, cool, great. But like this shit, like, yeah, four counts. Like, I three, remember, um, you, you could probably like, get 30 uh, years for this. Like, potentially, this is the thing. Like, he, he could very well be, be, be given serious prison time for this, you know? Um, and it's it's more of a it's more of an instance as well that like um, like we had a, a a similar case not I say similar but we, we had an instance with John Flanagan back at Liverpool um, he has a he had a domestic charge uh, domestic abuse charge against his name and again the instance where like okay Flanagan was not a first team player like Mendy was but he was a homegrown player like he's a scouser like you know I'm I'm, I'm and Liverpool, Liverpool are very very attached to their homegrown players. To the extent where like they'll want to keep him in the team and so forth. But when that charge came around, he was released. He was gone. Like no matter no matter how good he okay, granted he wasn't a first team player, it wasn't gonna set the world alight, considering, but like we, we had no loyalty to him in that sense, and he was gone. Um and his only thing, um, I think he went to Rangers there for a while, and again the charge came back and he was gone again. He's playing in Denmark now, you know. So like that that is that is him kind of like paying his uh paying his, his penance for that. But much of that point, like like clubs do need to be a bit brave in that sense and like see past the the playing quality of it and think that there's bigger things at play here. And this is a this could be a very real case of that with Mendy. Again, we're all like I'm kind of I apologize if I'm kind of speaking as if he is guilty. I'm talking about this is a hypothetical. This is as if he if if it is proven to be the case. Because again, there's three claimants in this as well. Three different women are, are coming forward with this. So if that is the case and if he is found to be proven guilty like there there has to be a wider conversation about this because this surely can't happen again you know um so yeah 
So, and we, we're getting a special delivery here. There you go. <laughs> Thanks. So, um, so like I said, it's um, we we have a very eclectic mix for CODs uh, tonight. So, well, see the thing. Well, actually, just a wee bit back onto that. Like, yeah, it's it's the reason why I bring it up is mm. that it's not really like I think you're correct that like clubs don't give a fuck about this. Like, take a look at Bayern. Like, you know, um, you know, like Bayern field Kingsley Coleman. You know, very true. We still do. Common admitted. Common pled guilty to beating his girlfriend up so badly she yeah. couldn't go to work. Yeah, no, very um, true, and they still do. They still do. So, like, I just, <laughs> you know, he he gets fielded in the Champions League. Like, he scored a goal in the Champions League. Uh, Champions so, yeah, like, fucking, exactly. like, you take a look at that team and go, well, where's your where's your priorities like? Yeah, and very true. And again, like, this is this is perhaps a wider conversation with football, but um. But yeah, I suppose to kind of wrap, and, uh, wrap this up and perhaps to lighten the mood, uh, Neil, who is worse, Harry Kane or, uh, <laughs> or transfer football agents or Benjamin Mendy? <laughs> God, I fucking hate agents. Uh, I'll, I'm, my vote's going for agents because I can't vote for my own one. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I, I do I, I do quite sympathise with, um, with, 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 with Burkbot on that one. Um, but I, I can't see past the, the Man City Mendy situation. I think just what they've done is inexcusable. I know, I know, it's very cheap for me to say, um, on the, on my side to to kind of dunk on Manchester City because again we're Liverpool and we'll take every opportunity to do so. But again, it it it's, it speaks more to what football culture is about and how self-absorbed it is. There's more there's more things at play, folks. Like there's there's, there's so much more. Like and um, even if and if anybody who's listening to this and going, oh well, you know, they don't have to do this. Or, like you pointed out innocent people proven guilty, that type of thing. So they don't have to do this. But like you should be the first. Just turn around and go. Like, no, like, like this is Man City. It's not as if they cannot replace Mendy. Absolutely. That okay. is that's a very good point as well. Like it's a case of like, well they they, they don't even have him as first choice. They have they rather have Sidjenko because he stays fit. Mm-hmm. So like it's not as if you're. It, this is not as if like Phil Foden. It's not like your your star player, your captain is gone. You know, it's in a sense it's a replaceable part of this machine. And with Man City, like everyone is a replaceable part because they have unlimited money. You know, like, you know what I mean. Like so, uh, yeah. No, I, I think it's a very good point in that sense. Um. So yeah, like it's a. I suppose we have a bit of a split room, um, unless Burkhardt comes in very <laughs> uh, late on with her pick. But um. But yeah. No, we'll ask her later, and we'll update in the next podcast. We will, we will, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, but uh, again, nevertheless, lads, uh, thank you very much if you've been uh, listening to this podcast. Hopefully, um, we brought up some uh, points that you've uh, agreed to disagree with in this uh, show. By all means, uh, let us know uh, at Monday Madness LP. Neil, thank you very much for your company tonight. Um, giving you a two-week palate cleanser from your from your daily dad duties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, that's that's been that's been that story. But um, yeah, so uh, again, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time then. Um, I think uh, because the next time we uh, come to you guys, we'll have our first interval. But it'll be the end of the transfer window. And we are going to get transfer grades. We're going to tell you how bad Arsenal did by, by spending 50 million on Ben White. <laughs> no, we won't. I, I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, but yes, and no doubt in the next two weeks, the transfer window is going to settle down. And Ronaldo to United is, a cra- is, is by far the craziest thing that's going to happen. And it'll just be. A, uh, rumor will mill about where Phil Jones is going to go next. So, whoever uh, <laughs> <laughs> says he's going to Wolves, but nevertheless, lads, uh, thank you very much for listening as ever. And um, we'll be back in two weeks' time with another episode. But if you have enjoyed this, please give us a follow on Spotify. 
Um, we'll find all of our podcasts here, including obviously the Liquid Football podcast and the Jellyfield Donuts, uh, which is back uh, in action after a long hi- pandemic-induced hiatus. If you want to listen to us uh, chatting about old Pokemon episodes, you can do that on that podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, keep up to date with everything we're doing at Monday Ballast LP on Twitter and subscribe to us on YouTube as well, where uh, we're on a road to 1,000 subs, Neil, thanks to our, all of our great fans of our content, which we will not be going into uh, why they're fans of the content. But, um, but by all means, please join us. We would love to hear from you, from you, from you uh, if you are listening to the show. But guys, thank you very much again. And uh, we'll see you next time on the show because all of that was Liquid Football. Woo!